0: You were traveling as a DJ in Ibiza. I was DJing on a little tiny island, right off, right off Croatia, and it was one of those moments where I mean, you could literally—I could have been DJing mid-set, gone and jumped right in the uh, in the ocean right there, you know got back out kind of, you know, before the song ran out and kind of kept kept the party going. For me seeing how competitive the, the DJ landscape is now, I'm in a point now where I'm, I'm thankful to work with so many amazing uh, agents and event planners. And I always want to make sure that the product that I'm delivering is second to none. I put in, you know, countless hours at home that people don't even see doing remixes and edits and all these things, getting everything ready. So there's probably at least 10, 12, 15 hours of pre-work that I've done at home to, in advance of that event so when I step out on that stage it's a great product
1: if you could tell like a young person who's interested in doing it, like what's that one thing that you're like this is what really makes it worth it for me Hey,
0: don't worry about the money and this this whether it's DJing or anything else I would say just don't worry about the money initially get into it because you love doing it I think my dad the saying he said once was you know find something you love doing and then find someone who's gonna pay you to do it
1: All right so i think we're all set cheers to this episode cheers thank you for coming out scott and thanks for uh, having before i forget i gotta represent no. what's
0: happening here. <laughs> there we it know. is yeah there it is yep yep uh with no my
1: doubt. andrew book signed uh <laughs> champions hat excellent i was excellent. like i wasn't gonna go spend 40 bucks on the new one yet i mean i'll yeah, wait till it we'll goes on. down Yep, yep. did yep. you catch the game
0: oh yeah yeah absolutely uh i mean it's it's unbelievable i mean just the story of steph curry is uh I was kind of thinking on my way here about, you know, I'm so fascinated by kind of the unlikely hero story, you know, especially in sports. And I think sports there's, is so analogous to, to so many things, um, in life, you know, and and so I'm kind of fascinated by, by the stories of, you know, like a Michael Jordan that got cut from his high school basketball team, you know, a Tom Brady, who was the last quarterback drafted in his class almost didn't even get drafted, you know, Steph Curry, small school Davidson, passed over by all these big schools. And now he's, you know, the greatest shooter of all time. And, um, just, it just speaks to so many, I think, important you know life lessons on, you know, of course, perseverance and everything. But just um, it, it's it's so fascinating watching these stories and how these guys just blow up and, and the sky's the limit, you know.
1: So. I mean, it's amazing when you think about Stephen Curry's story. It's yeah. you're right; he's a small kid out of Davidson. Yeah, he can shoot, and he yeah. was supposed to get drafted by the Knicks, which was the biggest uh, mistake that they made. <laughs> yeah. So that that was something that completely changed the face of the NBA. Yeah. And for him to deal what he had to deal with, yeah. and for being the non-quintessential big NBA player like LeBron James who's got the size the athleticism he can do everything and still change the game the way he did with four rings Mm -hmm. I mean I I told someone the other I think it was yesterday when they won it's like if he wins three more rings because he's He's a point guard. Yeah. So they don't get beat up in the lane like you know your, your centers do, and they, yeah. they they go out early with injury and my knee's gone, I can't play no more. These point guards can play until they're like forty five, like I forgot what Ray Allen was. Yeah. He's got another ten years if he wanted to, and he's taking yeah. care of himself. Yeah. If he wins three more rings with the Warriors and he passes Jordan for rings all with <sighs> the same team, yeah i mean he's got to be a top five player at that point absolutely i, I mean
0: crazy thing with the warriors is they have all these you know it's it's i think they're gonna they can definitely stay good for a number of years here you know they because they're so good at picking talent and grooming young talent and and which is it's it's such a fat that's another thing i'm so fascinated with is when these teams select these players is how do you size a player up like that you know how do you one of my favorite comments is uh The old coach of the the 49ers, Steve Mariucci, was talking about on this Tom Brady documentary, I think. He was saying that, you know, you can't just take a player and kind of, you know, rip them open and see what's inside and really kind of get to know them on that level, you know. Because sometimes the players you think are going to be the, you know, can't miss talents and all this stuff just flop because they didn't, you know. Maybe between the years it wasn't all kind of where it should have been or something.
1: It's yeah, I remember Ryan Leaf back in the day. Yeah. Like the best thing, the best quarterback, he had the quintessential like body, the athleticism, yep. the arm, and yep. then it just, because yep. he didn't have it all done up here. Yeah, yep. And it's like, I think one thing that we learn as we get older, because we're both in our mid-30s. Yep. So we learn and when we look back on our lives in our 20s that, even though i said i thought i knew a lot about how the world worked when i was 21 i look back now like i really didn't know what the hell i was talking about oh
0: yeah
1: I, yeah in the in the moment it sounds like i got this i know what i'm, what I'm doing i know how this whole thing works there's yeah. no way it could be different then you get 35 like oh i was wrong
0: yeah yeah <laughs> you
1: well, didn't see tr- it at the time it's
0: true and, and actually yeah full disclosure i, I hit the big 4.0 uh uh not not too far off ago and um but it's it's yeah no 100% man i mean the, the, I, I remember being you know 24 years old and literally thinking i just kind of had it all figured out you know and um you know i think there's certain things about you know kind of having that headstrong i think can be a, a good thing in certain ways i think it drives us to kind of you know go after maybe loftier things um at least in my case it, it kind of helped with that but um but yeah it's you definitely look back and and it's it's it's, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in any mistake you've made, right? How can you parlay it to uh, to, to, to something to grow from and, and work with too, so.
1: Absolutely. And know. then I also find talking to people that age about, hey, you know, listen to me, do what I, you know, mm-hmm. kind of learn what I did. And it's yeah. like, phew. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, and then I remember, yeah, I would have said the same exact thing when I was their age because in yeah. your... And then I get older and I realize it's actually a biological thing. Like, literally, our minds aren't fully developed till we're like 25, 26, sometimes 20, 29 years old. Mm-hmm. So we literally can't process all these emotions and feelings the same way at 21 that we yeah. can when we're almost 40. It's like, no, I see things now. Yeah. Life experience and the mind actually grows and it makes sense in a different way. Yep, yep. It's part of the problem sure. that we have with a lot of things going on in the world is that yeah. we give a lot of these young people so many, like the phones, the technology. Mm-hmm. Like, if I, if I was... 15 again and i had an iphone Now i don't know what path i would have taken <laughs> oh, if i would have gotten sucked into the whole instagram snapchat or you know yeah. doxing and then it's just like even bullying in schools it's a whole different way sure. it used to be one-on-one now it's like you create ghost accounts and yeah. you do this and do
0: that it's it's crazy and it's a concern for i mean us uh, my wife and i have you know two two young boys um eight and almost six years old and it's it's a concern you know and it's a big discussion point as far as you know when we're gonna when they're gonna get a cell phone and even when they get a cell phone, you know, how do we control kind of and you know, the content, what they're looking at, you know, are they being preyed on? It's it's you know, it's 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 of concern for sure and you know, for all the great things about technology, right? There are of course the negative sides and, and the way it can be, be manipulated, unfortunately.
1: Exactly. Yeah. We've been doing this around seven minutes and I didn't even tell anybody your name. This is Scott Campbell. <laughs> yeah. Campbell. Thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend time with me and yeah. help me. Get this podcast going, and you have a lot of knowledge that I've learned from my wife because our wives are very connected with their industry. And you got a lot of stories in that head of yours that I can't wait to talk about here. Yeah, for sure. Before we get on any further, kind of tell people a little bit about what you do
0: now, and we can kind of go from there. Sure, sure. Um, Well, I I think, you know, um, for the the better part of over about the past 12 plus years, longer than that, about 14 years, uh, I've been a full time DJ. Um, So, DJ, disc jockey, uh, spinning records for a living, Um, you know, have music we'll play for a living. Uh, But no, it's, 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 um, and I've had kind of other various jobs off that, but for for well over a decade now, that's been my main source of income as being a DJ.
1: So why DJ? How did you get into that? Was that a fluke or was it I've been thinking about this for a while?
0: I, me, I mean, music has always been there. Music has always been a, a huge part of my life. Uh, I've always been a mu- self-professed music nerd, loving all kinds of stuff from Vivaldi to John Coltrane to Big E and E-40 and Metallica and just everything. Um, great. I grew up playing the cello as a kid, you know, thanks to my parents for... Uh, for kind of introducing me to, to classical instruments and how that can really help you um, you know in so many ways played in my high school orchestra that whole thing but simultaneously always listening to the radio and here in the bay area these these legendary radio stations like KML 106.1 the old uh and now not long around anymore but 1053 live 105 um, you know listening everything from hip hop to you know to rock and 80s and all these new stuff and while I was playing the cello at the same time, so I've just been fascinated always by music. And then in college, I went to school uh, just outside New York City, and uh, you know started going into nightclubs uh, in, in New York City, just like any you know 19, 20, 21 year old kid would do, just trying to meet people, you know, trying to just see what's out there. Um, but just you know, starting to see these big DJs and just becoming fascinated, you know, after seeing them more and more, just by the way they. You know, the way they crafted their art, you know, the way they they mix songs together, the way they, not even just that, it was about the way they kind of, you know, would control crowds. I mean, these huge nightclubs, you know, state of the art, you know, people spending thousands of dollars to be in there on any given night. And, you know, the way these guys could really, you know, guys and girls could just control the room um, and and play music was just fascinating to me. And I, I, you know, when I realized I could take all these musical instruments, uh, interests of mine, um, you know, from from rock, pop, hip hop, house, everything and, and mix them all together and express that to people. I was like, I'm sold, man. This is it.
1: I got to tell you, the more that I think about it, we were just just talking about the garage band that I use here, and I have two lines, yeah. two different forms of audio here. But yep. if I were to go to a DJ who's, Performing at a Vegas nightclub and turn that laptop around. How many lines of audio would I actually see that you're dealing with yeah. in the moment? Not only are you, you mixing all this, you're listening to the next track. Exactly. Then you got to control the crowd. Yep. Then you got to sync it with the the smoke and whatever. Yeah. And is that something that you do specifically when you say "boom, hit the smoke"? Or yeah. that's somebody back there. Well,
0: the the the, the lighting and you know the kind of the pyrotechnic kind of stuff. They they normally, especially at the big clubs, they have people that just control those. Like there's just one guy for lighting. There's just one guy for visual you know or sometimes I do a combination you'll have your pyrotechnics you know kind of guy there as well um the actual DJ though is is literally just you know playing one to two maybe even sometimes three with songs at a time depending on if they're sampling stuff but there's so many dynamics going on where it's um you know you have you know the 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 tech billionaire in the corner that just paid all you know tons of money to be here you have the people that have you know traveled from thousands of miles to see this dj you know you have your just kind of core clubbers that want to hear this you have people that want to hear hip-hop you have people that want to hear house music so you're really just you know you are the party in that case where you're controlling everything and um you know these these big top djs get paid a ton of money because it's you know, kind of you're 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 pulling all the strings to make it all happen seamlessly and just and set it off. So it's, it's pretty amazing watching watching it all go down.
1: Like what sets like the more bigger names? Like when I was a kid, it was Tiesto. Yeah. And I don't even know why it was him, but that was yeah. just the name you always hear. Oh, Tiesto's playing. We got to go to MGM Grand because yep. he's there. And I'm like, okay, um, to me, I'm like, if I didn't know who he was and I just heard the music, but like, okay, it sounds like that guy. Like yeah. what sets him apart? Or like Steve Aoki who just does these crazy, like he'll jump in the stands or yep. do something... Like what? What sets them really yeah. apart? Is it really the theatrics, or is it just how they can sync the music the right oh, way?
0: Man, you know I, there are so many really good DJs now. Um, you know, just and ever since you know, technology has obviously really helped um, to really even the playing field. Uh, when you can literally just travel with you know not even just a laptop, when you can just travel with a couple of USB sticks full of songs and you can go play it, you know, anywhere in the world at any club. Uh, it's made DJing an incredibly um, competitive landscape. But when they're, you know, these certain, you know, people, like you said, the Tiestos, the Steve Aoki's, Calvin Harris's, all these huge guys that um, have been producing and been at it for years. Um, So I think there's something to the the longevity and kind of how they've, the business side, how they understand that. Um, You know, what they're actually doing kind of, if you go see, you know, Tiesto on any given night right now, you know, he's not probably doing anything earth shattering but his persona at this point is so kind of larger than life that that's what draws people in it's like oh we're gonna go see this you know see this guy or steve <laughs> aoki is very uh, theatrical too he brings all these other kind of comical events like he'll throw a cake at, at the crowd and gets <laughs> smashed all over Pe- people love it you know and i'm always just blown away by like dude if you threw a cake at me and hit me in the face i mean i'd, I'd probably call security and be out of there like i'd be like this is ridiculous you know but um so I think it, it's it's awesome that it's so competitive now, and that it's it's so easily accessible for people to to go start DJing. Um, but I think you know, kind of those who have been doing it a long time, like I have, and I'm not by any means trying to say I'm on a tiesta level, but you know, doing it for 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 over a decade now, um, and doing it as a full-time job, it it's you know, it's it's way more about the business side of things than just necessarily kind of the music side of things.
1: And it you know. I also noticed that it really speaks to the persona that you create, like you just said there. Yeah. Because Have you ever heard of a guy named Simon Sinek? Or Simon Sinek? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
0: See, uh, let's pa- uh, start with why. Right? That's the guy, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has
1: this, this saying that he does in all of his speeches, which mm-hmm. is, people don't buy what you do, they buy why mm-hmm. you do it. Yeah. And if you hear it once or twice, it doesn't really click. But then the more you think about it, the more you put it to real life, people who are successful, whatever their craft is, you really see when people buy into somebody, they believe in somebody. Mm-hmm. Like with the Tiesto, for example, he could put on a bunch of crap music, yeah. but his persona is so high now that if I come and see Tiesto, I'm enthralled. Yep. Whereas yep. if some other DJ put the same exact track on, it's like, oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, it just wasn't. 100%. Be- yeah. So it's like yeah. they believe in him. He made him feel a certain way for so long that he has that with him. So he, I'm going say he can't do any wrong, but yeah. pretty much you get to that that level, you're pretty much set because people believe in you and they yeah. trust you and they want to go spend the however much money that they're probably charging these <laughs> stuff to go see yeah. him. Yeah. Yep. And you're right. You have that image and that, that brand. It's something that people actually relate to. Yep. So when you do your, your gigs, what do you spe- uh, like specialize in weddings? or Do you clubs? Do you do big events? You had something on your Instagram where the secret service was, was there with you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right, that looked like a fun event. What was it? MoMA? Uh,
0: that was a uh, Moscone center in San Francisco. Um, and there was a certain um, head of a, a very, very well-known uh, tech um, tech company doing their, their annual big uh, convention down there. Um, so this, this, you know, this one of, one of the several huge billionaires in this area. And so it's, that kind of level where it's like, this guy needs secret service there. Um, but I, I mean, I, I, for years I, I did kind of only nightclubs, you know, only bars, lounges, nightclubs, traveled around, I had a residency in Vegas for, for a while, I, you know, traveled along the West coast playing, um, uh, and then I was incredibly blessed to my wife and I, um, you know, became parents. And so about eight years ago when that first happened, you know, that was that was an absolute game changer uh, for 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 me, for us, um, you know, and I really kind of shifted my focus to. You know, cause kind of a lot of things that come with, you know, really being on that nightclub circuit and staying out late till all hours and going to all those after parties, you know, and it's just, it's just a different slice of life that is just for the most part, not, not very conducive to being a great parent, a, a great, uh, a great spouse. Um, so, you know, when our kids came along, it was really time to, to switch it up and I'd, I'd been looking to switch anyway. So it it was, it was nice to do so, but, um, started focusing, focusing more on, um, corporate events, private events now, um, which, which, which I mainly do now, um, which is much, much better for a work-life balance. Uh, it's actually, they, they tend to pay, uh, much more as well, which is great. So better hours, you know, you're not, not out all night long, you know, I can still be up at the little league game the next day, that kind of thing, which is great. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it's pretty nice to keep doing what I'm doing, but, but have the, the much better balance time for the family.
1: That makes total sense there. Yeah. What was that conversation like with, with your wife as you guys are getting ready to become parents? Congratulations, yeah. by the way, Thank on you. that. sure. In terms of what uh, the family needs from, from you, was it more of the environment of being in the night nightclub and the things that you see or you're out till 2 a.m.? Or was yeah. it the, uh, just the fact that you're just gone for what, 40 hours or 50 hours? What was your schedule normally like?
0: Anyway? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the weekends are always gone, you know, you're, you're out, you're out, you know, till I mean, the, the clubs close at, at least here locally, they do, uh, at 2 AM. So, you know, you're not getting home till probably at least 3 AM. If you go to the after party, you're coming home 4 or 5 AM. And it's, it's just a whole different thing that, um, you know, me being wanting to be the best, best spouse, best dad I could be, you know, I just said, you know, this, this is not for me anymore, you know? Um, so, so, but, you know, kind of like any profession, you know, there's, there's the good parts and the bad parts. In the DJ world, you know, uh, you're getting to travel, play some amazing parties, celebrities, all that stuff. But, you know, you're just gone a lot on the weekends. A lot of time when, you know, your spouse is off from work or, you know, your kids are trying to just hang out, relax with their dad on the weekend, you know, and I'm out having to work a lot. Um, that can be tricky, you know. Um, holidays, you know, uh, I remember, you know, trying to work on Christmas Eve's and every New Year's and Halloween's and all this stuff and being gone a lot there. So... So that was tricky too, but, um, you know, it's, 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 that's been the blessing of, of, you know, uh, being a husband, being, being a dad is, is, you know, kind of, you know, really wanting to, to, to put yourself in the best atmosphere, best surroundings for, for your family. Um, And it's, and it's, you know, so it's, it's just, it's been a much better, better flow.
1: It's uh, one thing that I've really, it's sort of a theme that I've had with a lot of my guests. It's really that balance of Mm -hmm. trying to find out. How can you have that career? How can you have that family? How can you have the life you want to live? As we get older, we really find out that is so hard to accomplish, yep. especially around here with the cost of housing, the cost inflation. What at eight and a half percent now at the time of this re- recording, yeah. which people start noticing when you have multiple mouths to feed and you go to the grocery store. That bill that used to be seventy bucks is now one hundred and twenty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where did that money go? Where did it come from? Yep. And to be able to say that, that you've been able to build up a, a career where you can actually have that that balance is something that. A lot of people are trying to figure out what's like uh, when you first started this industry. I'm sure it was just like gung ho. Like, I got to do how, you know, the hours don't matter. I just got to go with it because I'm trying to build
0: something now. 100%. Yeah. You you know, I was first started, you know, kind of professionally DJing when I was, um, 25 years old, I uh, got my first kind of resident uh, gig here in, in the Bay Area. Um, and like you said, you're just taking any gig you can get. It doesn't really matter even what the pay is. My very first quote unquote residency was in Lake Tahoe on a Wednesday night every week for a hundred bucks. And I lived in San Francisco <laughs> at the time. And, I you know, gas was like at least 60 bucks to go all the way up there and come back. You know, I stayed at a friend's house and um, I, I essentially made no money. But just the fact that it was, you know, my first kind of regular gig, um, and just I was out actually DJing for people was, you know, was was all that mattered to me at that point. Um, but yeah, you're younger, you're taking any gig you can get, um, and that's something I always encourage people, people now too, anyone in not just aspiring to, you know, to try to be a DJ, but I think just kind of in any business is, you know don't, don't always, you know, try to find like the, you're not going to get the, the best kind of gigs or opportunities right away. You know, sometimes you need to just kind of take what you can get and get out there and meet people and network and um, start cutting your teeth and, and work your way up that way.
1: Do you ever hear that from younger DJs, like in the 20s? Are they coming to you like, hey, man, how did you, how can I, what's the, what's the shortcut, what's the secret to get to where you're at? Because I don't want to deal with all that, you know, yeah. not making any money.
0: Are they asking you that? Well, sure. I mean, I was literally at an event, I think, uh, two two weeks or three weeks ago, and um, this this guy came up to me and his DJ, and he said, oh, man, you know, just love watching you work. And and all this, and, um, you know, man, I would just love to try to figure out how I can go DJ and what do I have to do, you know? And I'm, I have a little setup in my bedroom right now and I, I DJ a little bit and um, and my, my advice was to just just go start DJing, you know? I mean, I think the first couple parties I played was just I invited friends over to the house and just, just started DJing, you know, so you know I I would do like oh you have a sweet 16 party can you DJ that absolutely I want to DJ we have a high school prom can you DJ that absolutely you know I'm your guy you know this this DJ friend said his friends were throwing a party in the park um, you know and like the next week I said you know go DJ that you know don't be as picky just just get out there and start trying to hone your craft
1: how young like 20s
0: uh, this guy was probably about you know maybe 24 um, but I have there was a, a, a neighbor that lived across the street from me you know he just graduated right at high school so 18 and he came to me and said you know I'm really trying to work on my music production you know kind of how do I start this and I said man just you have garage band on your laptop um, you know just like you're using right now <laughs> pretty and, much and, uh, <laughs> he said that's what I have and I said just start using it you know just just start learning it and just it doesn't matter if if you know the stuff you're making doesn't sound the best right now it's just all about just you got to start somewhere, you know.
1: Do you get the sense that and that generation that they don't want to put in the work or the people you've met are like, okay, that's what it takes. Okay, I'm going to go, you know,
0: do this for nothing just to get experience. Do you get that sense? I you know, I, I do a bit. I still think, you know, you, you definitely see you can tell when you you meet that that kind of hungry young person that that, you know, they're 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 not going to be um, you know, that they're not as concerned about kind of having the the perfect, you know, opportunities right away. They just want to get out there and do it, but you know I think especially with all this you know uh, social media everything these days you know kids see go on Instagram and everyone looks amazing everyone looks you know beautiful and everyone has the most polished product to put out there um, I think you know um, you know or kids kids want to take jobs right away and expect to be paid a six-figure salary right away I, I definitely think there's a lot of that out there right now and it's it's kind of unfortunate because um, you know the only real way that you uh, that you get better that you learn is to try things to fail and to really spend time uh, you know practicing and, and working on your skill whatever it is not even if it's not DJing you know if you're trying to you know uh, you know become a you know a contractor or become a dentist or whatever it is you need that to put that time into um to, to grow your skills and and get better and improve
1: you know it's amazing how much it's like oh i can just do this and make six figures right away it's yeah. like when we were growing up it's like the six figures oh my god i'm gonna be rich i'm gonna have <laughs> yeah. oh, you know i got to do yeah. this 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 and eventually i'll get there and i'll have the house of my dreams i'll live in bel air or something like that yeah and now we're at a point where Wow, you're like in high school and you think, okay, if I just do some yeah. good Instagram or TikTok videos, I'm going to be a millionaire right right away. And yep. it's like, where did the sentiment come from? It used to yeah. be all about hard work. Yeah. It used to be like my like my job now as a police officer. It used to be, you know, 20 years ago, you had that job, you were set, you got in a great career, pension, security mm-hmm. benefits, all that good stuff like that. You can have a long 25, 30-year career, whatever it is. Nowadays, these young kids, or some young kids, not the people that I work with, but some kids in various areas look at that and they say, it's not enough money, yeah. you know. Am I, I got to work nights. It's like, I want to go do this TikTok thing when I can do my own thing. It's like, wow, you really think that you... Yeah, there's always that unicorn out there that makes it, and they get all the publicity like those, what, Jake and Paul, or Jake yeah, Ryan. That's or, right. Yeah, what's the name? Paul and Jake, Jake Paul. Jake Paul and his brother. Yeah, I mean, exactly. The like, yeah. yeah, there's always the unicorns <laughs> out there that yeah. make it, and then good for them. Yeah. They did the work, they got the right time, and... Awesome, good for them, not taking anything away from them. But for most people, it's like, you got to put in the work. You're going to make nothing. Like you were saying in the beginning, you were losing money driving to Lake Tahoe from San Francisco, but you were doing Mm -hmm. it for the experience to learn how to deal with the crowd, to learn how to mix. So when somebody who was going to pay you a little bit more comes along, you're like, look at what I got. I got this resume here. I got this party, this party. That person recommends me. It goes a long way, but you can't see them in the beginning when all you see is a dollar sign. Yeah. me know where that that came from. Oh, I would
0: do gigs for free, you know. I, I would I didn't even care about the money. You know, it was just a chance to go to go perform and and to go, you know, practice with other DJs to watch DJs I really respected, you know. I I got some gigs opening up for, you know, some bigger DJs and I made you know, barely any money probably just got paid in drinks at the bar and I didn't even <laughs> care I just wanted to learn you know and and um, I, you know I, I think if you and kind of if it's if it's just handed to you you know these golden opportunities or you're handed that huge check right away that whole learning process of of going through all the trials and tribulations and growth that comes with putting in the hours yourself um, you know I, I think that it's it's it just doesn't feel quite as oh, I think long-term it won't feel quite as satisfying.
1: Cause I remember when I was a kid and I was, geez, probably in my early teen, like 10, 11 years old. My dad lost his job and we needed, he needed to help pay for the family. So he took a night, you know, newspapers when they were a thing. Yeah. He delivered new, new, uh, newspapers in the morning. He would get up like at what, 2 a.m., go to the warehouse, load up the car with all these newspapers. I would come home. I would help him fold them into the little... Cylinder things that they were and yeah. then if I was still awake and I didn't have school the next morning I go with them we go deliver papers to him in the morning Okay, flip that paper there flip that paper there Flip that paper there awesome. And I remember he would bring him his paycheck and at the time I thought it was a lot of money It was probably like maybe 150 bucks for the whole month, right? Which to me as a kid was a lot of money and I know him trying to support the, the family It's like it's you know, it's something but it's not yeah. enough to really this is back in the late '80s, early '90s, whenever it was.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: but to still to see him put in that that work because he knew what he needed to do for the family and actually going with him to actually do it. Mm-hmm. And then he also got a job, you know, cleaning bars at night after the people left. He would come in actually he would do it in the morning before it opened and i would go help him we would go mop the floors we clean the toilets we get the wow. bar all yeah. set up here and i'm like probably yeah. the only guy the only time when you can be underage going into a bar behind the counter when no one's there Just, yeah. Yeah. how does this whole thing work cleaning the faucets changing the ice machine so it's ready to go and it's like those little skills that i learned from my father early on in my life in yeah. my late in my early teens late single digits, like Mm -hmm. really that carried with me throughout my entire life. So the little things that I do now about making sure things get done in a specific way, I can attribute that all the way back to
0: what he taught me back in the day. Absolutely.
1: Like what, what, what was like your experience when you were growing up
0: on the, on the parent thing? I absolutely, you know, my, my parents, um, you know, we would get a small allowance, but it was very, um, it was very like you, you know, you need to go, if you want to go buy that thing, you have to go work for it, go earn it. You know, we're not just going to give it to you. Um, you know, but but yeah, I do come from a military background. My my grandfather, my dad, um, and I myself, uh, all in the mil- uh, military, former military. Um, I was in the Navy. Um, I actually went to a, a military academy for college. Um, just outside New York city. Um, and then after I graduated there, I had a a service commitment of, uh, I was in the nine years of both active and reserve in the Navy. Uh, part of that time was when I was kind of first starting out as DJing, but, um, so, so not Annapolis, but uh, I did go, did, um, Study there a bit, but this is actually the Merchant Marine U.S. Merchant Marine Academy okay. right outside New York City on Long Island. Uh, one of the it's there's five federal academies: West Point, Annapolis, Coast Guard, Air Force, and the Merchant Marine Academy is mm. the one I went to. Um, but that yeah, that military background, and and especially when you go to a service academy and you you start as a freshman, you know, kind of just doing exactly what you're talking about. I mean, I was scrubbing toilets and, you know, learning how to, you know, <laughs> clean the grout in the shower and all that stuff. And you work your way up to, uh, you know, to by the time you're a senior, you're essentially in charge of the whole whole place. Um, but that background has been um, an unbelievable foundation for kind of everything I've done since then as a DJ and, and in other, other um, kind of work interests too. Um, understanding, you know, the value of hard work, understanding, you know, um, you know, kind of getting, getting your butt kicked a little bit, you know, and, and learning, you know, how to foster, turn that into becoming a leader and, and, uh, and uh, travel around and everything else. But it, it was an amazing foundation.
1: You know, I never asked this this question, but it's a good thing that you brought up. Yeah. What exactly is a
0: Merchant Marine? So Merchant Marine is anytime you're, you know, you're. say you're driving across the Golden Gate Bridge and you see a huge container ship coming in. So right. It's all those big uh, merchant ships mm. that, that bring uh. either uh, containers in, so a big container ship, maybe a tanker. So the ones going out uh, here in the Bay Area to the big Chevron Pier over in Richmond. Uh, so the Merchant Marine is any huge or not so huge from, from small to large uh, ships on the water uh, Merchant Marine is you're, you are in charge of you know doing everything on board so driving the ship uh, you know f- making the engine operate you know j- just controlling the cargo all those different points That that's what all the Merchant Marine is I think the stat is it's Something like eighty percent of all the goods that come to the U.S. come via via water, uh, so via via merchant marine.
1: Wow! Yeah. So yeah. it's a U.S. government job, but you're not on a navy ship. You're not on a battleship. So you're actually are the ships that you or that merchant marines work on. Are they government ships or are they private ones like from the?
0: Some of them, yeah. Some some are both. So there's there's a whole lot of commercial sides, um, like you may see here, you know, or just anywhere big companies like APLs or Matsons or you know big container ships like that. Uh, oh, boy! There are also uh, all a good deal of government ships that are also in the merchant marine that are operated by uh, merchant marine officers and uh, non-officers um, that carry government cargo as well. So anything on maritime-related on the water is, is all merchant marine, whether it's you know private uh, or government or not.
1: So like okay, so that makes more sense now. So like let's just go back to like the Iraq War in two thousand. Yeah. Forget your position on that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. If you would need to transport a bunch of high like military tanks and big equipment yep. I, I never really thought about that you're using merchant marine ships to transport them across the ocean to yep. there
0: and actually I was on ships like that so uh, uh, right after I was at the Academy right when 9/11 went down um, and I had to go on a ship very shortly after uh, to the Middle East and I was on the Middle East I've done a couple couple tours uh, in the Middle East and back uh, on on big merchant ships and Navy ships um, but yeah, so my, my cousin at the time was, was an officer in the army who was actually stationed right, side, right outside of Iraq. And we always kind of joked that I would bring her all, or, all of her, her equipment, all her vehicles from helicopters to tanks to Humvees. I would bring her all her new stuff and take back all the battered stuff on my ship. Um, hmm. So it was all that stuff that goes over there is, is via ship. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like if I would, if you would have asked me, I would have thought, okay, they probably take a bunch of C seventeen cargo planes and they're carrying everything back and forth. But yeah. really, it's the ships. That yeah, nobody yeah. talks about all the
0: big pieces <laughs> go on, on the ships. Yeah, yep, wow, for See, sure. Learn something new everyday. It's kind of like that that silent little, you know, kind of out of sight, out of mind. How did all this big container of Amazon products get over here? You know, yeah. well, it's in a big old container that came into the port. You it's know? like
1: the navy, like like the big carriers get all the attention. Oh, I want to be in the navy because of that. Yeah. You're on this big ship, and then really, it's these guys behind the scenes that yeah. are, power the whole thing. If exactly. It wasn't for them this whole thing when it when it when it happened that's right yeah yeah. did did you hear about that controversy i think it was the george washington that carrier where there there was a couple of people that you know took their own lives yeah and then it came out about how the ship was actually run yeah do you have an opinion on that or you know in your your experience does that seem like something that you wouldn't put past like yeah you know without without the right captain
0: well you know it certainly you 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 question the leadership um you know in kind of any situation like that you know um but on a, that those, the, the carriers are, are, you know, they are really like floating cities in the Navy. Um, I was never personally on a carrier, but I know that. I mean, there's there's hundreds, if not, I think a thousand crew member on those ships. I mean, they're they're huge ships. Um, so from from a kind of very top leader point, you know, trying to to check in with all your people at all times of the day is certainly challenging, but. You know, I do know certainly the military does have stresses, you know, and and being stationed in some some not so part part, uh, some not so nice parts of the world um, can definitely take a toll. And it's it's unfortunate. You know, I've had I had a friend that uh, was over in the Middle East and, and got hit by rocket shrapnel and was awarded the Purple Heart and is now back in the Bay Area. Um, but kind of the toll it took on him and, and it's it can get tricky. So, you know, like, like so many things, it's, it's kind of like the, you know, the negative parts that come with, with, with the job, right? I'm sure in, in your career, you, you see it too, right? So, right. I see it. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. um,
1: you know, there, there's definitely the good parts of it and you yeah. want to really hold on to things that are good that you, that you do. But then there are also times where you have to say, Hey, you know, what do I have to do to make sure everything floats the, 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 yeah. the, the correct way. And sometimes it's like, yeah, you have to, meow. how do you find that balance to make sure everything, works and it can be tricky sometimes
0: yeah yeah i mean i think in any in any career you know dealing with stress is is um is is so essential you know and and um I think even in the past couple of years you know i you hear this term people talk about their their anxiety and you know kind of what that and for years i always kind of dismiss it as oh you know anxiety whatever um but a number of years ago i, I found myself you know kind of uh, at times where i i would feel kind of lightheaded all of a sudden and i really wasn't sure why and i would realized because i would just been holding my breath and and you know kind of concentrating um or thinking too hard about something and realized well actually this is you're having anxiety right now you know so just it, it's, it's there and really in any kind of any profession, you know, uh, certainly not just in, in mine, but in any profession. And it's, it's, um, you know, that's, that's probably a whole other discussion, but, uh, it's, you know, it's always there, how you, how you handle the stresses of life, you know, how you, how you work through it when they do, when they do come up.
1: Yeah. So you did how, uh, how much in the Navy? How long?
0: I was, uh, I was nine years. Oh, so four years, uh, at the Academy, um, and then nine years, uh, in active and reserve. So 13, total. The
1: biggest takeaways you've learned from the Navy about this is the life lessons that actually, if I wasn't in the Navy and I never learned how to do X, Y, and Z or put in the hard work and maybe I would have never taken that step to become a DJ. Sure.
0: Yeah. What that I mean, I would say, um, you know, kind of, kind of getting a global perspective on things was huge. I mean, traveling around the world, I've been to, you know, my th- very, very thankful of, I think 30, 40 plus countries, um, seeing the world, uh, seeing different people kind of getting outside my own comfort zone. Um, and just seeing, you know, seeing just all kinds of walks of life was, was amazing to come back to an amazing area like we live right now and just, and understand that, um, man, you, you really can, the opportunity all right in front of you. You know I mean? When you've seen kind of people that, you know, are fighting for basic kind of, you know, survival elements of water and shelter and all these things. And then you come back and you understand, well, I, I, knock on wood, I have water and shelter, and I have these contacts, and there are so many amazing businesses and companies, you know, here in this area, you know, how can I, um, how can I, you know, utilize all these kind of almost gifts I've been given that are right in front of me to, you know, to go after, you know, go after the things I'm really hoping to pursue.
1: That's awesome, man. And yeah.
0: so nine and a half years total, right? Uh about yeah, nine and a half years, active reserve, and then a couple years more in the academy. Yeah. And you you and you're from New York, right? Uh from the Bay Area, but I went to school in New York. You yep. went to school in New York. Yep, yep. What was life like in New York? Uh New York is, man, I know it's it's changed a lot and it's it was um it's it's like it's very different than it was, you know, probably ten years ago. It's certainly different now than it was probably thirty, forty years ago. Um but I was at school right outside New York City when, when 9-11 went down. I was actually on a, a ship that was had just literally gone underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm. And I had, a, all my, I had a whole bunch of classmates that were um, on our campus um, and could see the, the towers right from um, you know, right from 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 the academy campus and were called in to, to a help with uh, the first responders of 9-11. Um, 9-11 was a huge change for New York City. It was, um, you know, I think it brought the city just so much closer together, you know, and it, it, it just, people just kind of almost thought that, you know, they were at one time kind of, um, you know, invincible or immune to any sort of, you know, huge strife like that. And yeah. and after nine eleven went down, it was, you know, absolute game changer for, for many reasons, of course.
1: It, it's a it's amazing how every gen- a generation has that one thing, and for us, it was nine 11 Yeah, and you know, even to the, this even to this day, the lessons of nine eleven are still there for us. Like, remember going into the BART station? Yep. Did you ever take take BART? Yep, yep. There would always be be signs with like just say, "See something, say something," mm-hmm. because everybody would, was so afraid that the next thing could happen here. You know, they'd heard about the bombings in London on their their trains. We don't want it to happen yep. here, so put the word out, put the word out, put the word out. If you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. And it's like that lesson from the nine eleven experience throughout that more tumultuous time in the early two two thousands. It kind of got everybody said, "Hey, we don't want anything to happen like 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 that again." So we're all on edge here. And I was thinking about that the other day when this whole gun violence thing was was yeah. coming up. And unfortunately, no matter your your position on it, these things yeah. happen in waves. When they happen, like they're happening now, it's yeah. all about it. When they stop happening, everybody just kind of like puts it aside. It's yeah. For whatever reason, that's the way it, tend, it tends to work out. Yeah, And they were talking about legislation and then mental health. One side says that. I'm like, it's actually both things. It's yeah. like, you cannot legislate your way out of the whole thing. It's not going to happen with the Second Amendment. And you're not going to get rid of the Second Amendment because constitutionally, you need 75% of Congress. Yep. There's no way that much of Congress is going to agree on anything. Yep. So that's out the door. So, yes, there are laws within each state that need to be reevaluated. Mm-hmm. The idea you could be 18 and purchase an assault rifle. I don't know who would have to each their own, I guess. Right, right. I'm sure there was some responsible 18 year old somewhere out there who actually maybe live in the middle of Nebraska yeah. and you are around guns your whole life and you're taught exactly how they're supposed to be handled. Yep. And your father would literally rip you a new one if you did anything wrong yep. with it. So maybe in those, those those cases, I could see something like that. I don't know if an AR is necessarily something you would need. Yeah. But then there also has to be that that side on the mental health side where it's like, if you see people who are saying certain things or they're acting a certain way, you should probably tell somebody about it. Get the professionals yep. involved. So at least they can step in and say, nip it in the bud now, yep. because if nobody says anything like that, ah, he's just, that's just who he is. He'll, he just says a bunch of nonsense. He would never do that. Yep. And then something happens and it comes out. How come he never said anything? Well, I didn't think he would actually do it. Well, yeah, you know, had somebody known earlier, we could have stepped in for sure. So,
0: and I think just as a guy, I mean, and I'll speak for guys, um, you know, uh, only but I, I think guy, us guys is you know we often kind of are afraid to ask for help you know we think it's maybe not kind of quote unquote manly enough or, or tough yeah. and it's you know I just kind of suck it up kid you know that's what a lot of our dad, you know kind of dads would tell us just ah, suck it up and get out in there but it's it's okay to ask for help you know it's 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 actually showing you know to me more strength and, and and more courage to do that um but i remember being on on you know several ships and we had um at the time i think i was like 23 22 23 and we had groups of uh young marine corps uh soldiers um, on board with us for protection when we were in the middle east and these guys were all just, you know, barely 18 years old, you know, and I always thought it was kind of, kind of interesting oh, wow. that, that, you know, you could be, you could be 18 years old and sent to Iraq, but you know, you couldn't go b- back to, you know, the United States and go buy a beer legally in a bar. You had to be 21 years old. And I was, I was like, eh, how does that work? You it's, know? Yeah. I was you like, know. Eh, it doesn't sound quite right. I know? can't
1: buy a beer, but damn it, I can buy an assault rifle somewhere in certain states. Can't exactly. do it in California, yep. but in yep. some states you can and, you know. Yep. To each state, if that's what they want want to do, then it really becomes back on the voters. Like if you live in that that state and you don't like the way things are going, that's up to you to change the Mm -hmm. leadership there. But if the leadership says this is the way it's going to be and nobody within that state or company or whatever changes it, then, you know, it's maybe this isn't the right place for me, which I know it sounds bad. It's like, well, then move. But, you know, if you're living somewhere and you don't like the way things are going, we see it in California. Yeah everybody's packing up and leaving since the pandemic because of taxes, the homeless,
0: everything, the wildfires. I mean, it's just one thing after another. Everybody's just packing up
1: and saying, the heck with this place. I'm going to go to Texas. You know, no state taxes and I can get more land. I can get a big old house for 300K compared to the closet I had that was (laughs) 1.2 million. That's
0: true too. So I, you know, you just can't look at real estate listings anywhere else. You know, it's just I, exactly, it's too yeah. hard, yeah. but it,
1: you know, it does speak to it. they're like, you know what? Yeah. I'm done with, the state. I can't let you know, we can't get pe- people into the government that we want. So mm-hmm. we're going to leave the people who say they want to leave and say, Hey, yeah, you know, that's, you do what you got to do. They're yeah. like, there you having a, be- a better life. Then there we
0: go. Yeah. Uh, it's. I thought it was kind of cool. So you got the speaking of the Warriors, you know, when when Steve Kerr, uh, you know, came out during the finals, you know, and, and obviously talked very openly about about the, um, you know, the the Texas incident and and kind of gun control in general. You know, I always think it's it's uh, it's you know pretty pretty cool when you see kind of your your sports icons, whether it's the coach or player that will come out and be very vocal about you know trying to encourage change, you know, trying to to you know get get things to happen, you know, because just a lot of big celebrities, you know, regardless sports, you know, acting, whatever it is, or they don't, you know, and it, it's, it, it'd be nice to kind of see more, you know, people kind of help take a stand because of how influential, how much, you know, clout these, uh, these people have to, to people of all ages in all, all areas,
1: you know? And I mean, it makes, makes sense of that actually mm-hmm. happening, but you know, it's not California where the issues are really at. I mean, yeah. as far as like, you know, the other big one was with the whole abortion thing, like, Honestly, even if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, regardless of your position on that, yeah. nothing's going to change in California. The laws are going to be the same. Essentially, overturning Roe v. Wade just basically says, you know what? It's not the Fed's job to deal with it. States, you figure it out. Yep. Yeah. And so California is not going to change. It's going to do the same thing it's doing now. So yeah. nothing's going to happen over here. It's the other states in the Midwest or the East or the South where they have a different view of what should be correct and what should, what should not be correct yeah. and then it comes down to people who vote it's like if you don't like that you have to vote your against you know your lead leaders out of there if you agree with what they're what they're doing and everybody in the state has a consensus then that's what the state wants to do mm-hmm. you know it's yeah that's the hard part that people you know it's a tough reality to be actually say because most people don't vote yeah. So if people don't vote, then nothing's going to change. And right. People think, oh, it's one vote. It's not going to matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It adds up, you know, yeah, yeah. when you start voting and then everybody in your family and network starts voting because you did all of a sudden that two votes now becomes 200 votes, yeah. which becomes 2000 votes. And then, oh, now you're making some progress, but
0: yeah. I think it gets tricky too when, when, you know, people say like, especially, you know, certainly here in the Bay Area is a very different political climate than, you know, obviously many parts of the United States, you know, when it's easy for us to see an issue out here and say, well, how could anyone think differently than we would think about this? You know, how yeah. how, how would how would people think that this doesn't matter or this doesn't matter? Or, um, man, you drive a hundred miles east of here and it's a whole different mindset. You go two states over and it's a total other different mindset. You know, it just, you always got to take a step back and say, just try to consider where that person's coming from, you know?
1: I know. Like, if you look at the map of California, a majority of the state by square mileage is red. You know, the blue zones are are the Bay Area and Los Los Angeles, but that's where everybody lives, the population centers. But, you know, the rest of the state, you know, you can't ignore them. They're voters just like like, like you and me, and, you know, they have voices, they have different... What's important to them matters just as much as what's important to us. But You can't just say, I turn them off because they don't agree with, with me, which is a lot of what's happening now with yeah. various different things It's right. if you don't agree with me then you're the enemy yeah. when it used to be you don't agree with me well let's have a conversation we may not agree at the end of it but at least we respect each other right. Right. We under- I understand where you, where you come from you understand where I come from and even if we don't change our mind we can still work through it right yep it used to be how congress used to be
0: <laughs> <laughs> i know no it's 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 sort it of really all starts with which what's um you know so think it's so cool you know uh the podcast you've started you know it's just it's just having conversations you know with with people from all different professions you know and and kind of seeking that collective hopefully collective wisdom on things to help to help, help us all improve help us all get smarter right i mean I, i've always said i i've um I mean I've done I've done a lot of I've accomplished a lot of things in my career, you know, whether DJ whether or not. Um but I I I'm there's always something more to learn, you know. And, and I think if I ever got to a point where I felt like I knew everything, well it's kind of well, what's the point, you know? It's it's you're always learning, you're always getting better, you're always trying to improve. Um you know, or else or else what's the point of, of trying, you know?
1: I mean, I couldn't have said it any better there and it's like, you know, having a college uh, a degree, you know, back in the day it was you had a college degree, you can get a job anywhere. Now having a college degree is like having a high school diploma back then where okay, you got that. Now what do you get what else do you got? Yep. And people get drowned in student debt now because they're just getting that college degree and it's like, yeah, you have to go out in the world. You gotta get life experience. You gotta go out and, you know, dig your feet in the sand and actually go out and do some work and actually see what it's like to actually work with people. Yep. And to communicate. Do you have an opinion
0: on this whole work from from home thing? You know, it's interesting. So I um since the um I do and I I so since when COVID hit, uh, two years ago, a little over two years ago now, um, you know, as a, it, in a DJ, just kind of as a quick aside to kind of, as some background, you know, uh, events were essentially stopped, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's essentially like, you know, you're full speed ahead in this career that you thought was not invincible, but you know, it's trucking along amazing with all these different events, traveling all around, you know, I think that year before COVID had hit, I had done events in Thailand and Italy and, you know, Mexico and all these different things. And then COVID hit. And it was like, you know, you're officially um, you're not going to be DJing for a while because <laughs> we're all staying inside, we're all working from home now. Um, and it was a time when I really had to, you know, kind of look look inside and and be able to pivot and harness my other strengths and things I've learned to you know to figure something else out. Um, but for so many companies, being able to so so long story short is that um, in the past two years, I've taken on some some project management work during the day. Um, you know. Uh, really, namely because I needed to find a way to uh, to help keep our you know our family going, help support our family. You know, when you have uh, a spouse and two kids and a mortgage and all these responsibilities, and events just stop, it's like, well, the bills do not stop. So yep. you got to figure out something else here, or it's you know it's going to be bad news. Um, so thankfully, because of the military background, um, I had gone back to business school years ago and was able to to you know kind of help these things parlay into some some project management work. Um, you know, that I was incredibly thankful for that. Um, but back to the kind of, so, so some of that now is, 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 um, is working from home, which is, which is really nice. And I, I, I do wonder if it is kind of the new corporate model, you know, I think, um, you know, I think a lot of companies are saying they know their employees want to work from home. So they're going to have to kind of start building that, building that in as far as, you know, some of the kind of hiring package they're going to offer. Um, But I do think that we are actually kind of getting the data right now as we speak on, you know, what is the overall efficiency of working at home going to look like? You know, are our businesses as lucrative, as effective as they were before when everyone was in the office? And I think on the surface level, you could probably easily say, well, yeah, I'm sure they are going to be. But, you know, we're collecting that data right now. Maybe we won't fully know for another six months to a year, you know, until we've had time to actually collect some data and look at it.
1: We'll see what happens. I mean, if yeah. you ask Elon, it's like, come yeah. back to work or go <laughs> yeah. find another job. Yeah. I yeah. mean, some people hear that and they're like, how could you ever say that? You don't know how what, it, what it's like. Then And then there's the other side that said, actually, yeah, if I need you to come into the office, it's if you don't want to come in, somebody else will. So, yeah, like anything else, there's two sides of the equation. Yep. Yep actually you brought something up that was pretty interesting you were traveling as a dj <laughs> i was yeah so how did that come up how'd you get gigs where you were like hey i can get to go overseas was it with the company were you just like finding ads on a craigslist like okay i'll go over there
0: <laughs> yeah ser- searching the uh the craigslist ads for yeah. italy or mexico yeah oh that sounds good uh no thankfully you know it's and again this is kind of part of you know growing your network and and meeting people and um Kind of one event led to another, and was fortunate to get an agent or two to to help with that. Um, you know, so the agent would would uh, kind of do all handle all those bookings and 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 whatnot around the world. Um, so yeah, I mean, some you know got to get DJ in Ibiza and um, Italy, Greece, Croatia, Mexico, Thailand. I mean, places I, I kind of never in in you know in a thousand years would have thought, yeah, you're going to be you know on this little Greek island or you know island is DJing right now. It's kind of, you pinch yourself in the moment um, and just f- feel incredibly thankful for those opportunities. So is are really that party island that everybody says it is? Like you probably
1: should have gone when you were 22. And you never-
0: <laughs> yeah, probably you should, you should knock out that when you're, um, yeah, when when you're, you know, kind of single and free and, and got no cares in the world. is probably the best time to go for sure. But it's, but even not, I mean, it's, it's, it's an atmosphere where, um, you know, you look around and it's, it's, it's so kind of like post postcard material in some ways. It's just like so picturesque and the, you know, music's amazing and you know, no one's, everyone's just in a great mood and it's, there's nothing kind of seemingly, um, you know, negative in the air as far as people trying to hit on each other or just, you know, being a fencer would, it's just everyone just kind of relaxed and enjoying the scene. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. What was like your most, if you could, think
1: back to all your DJing especially overseas do you have that one story that sticks out like let me tell you what happened in this place here that you would <laughs> never believe
0: it was so actually in Ibiza well the year before uh, I was DJing in, on a little tiny island right off right off Croatia and it was one of those moments where I mean you could literally I could have been DJing mid-set gone and jumped right in the uh, in the ocean right now you know got back out kind of you know before the song ran out and 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 uh you know kind of kept, kept the party going. So there, there are moments like that, but it was, um, you know, being, and then, and then the year after that was on a, was on actually on a, had a big company that, that had a friend of mine, um, out, a friend of mine and I out to, to DJ on the cruise ship. And it was interesting because the head of the company was a huge music fan and Mm -hmm. knew all these huge DJs and actually flew cascade out. who's you know, definitely one of been one of the biggest guys in Reese's memory out, the only the only problem was is is really no one else from the company had ever heard of this guy. So it was like literally you had Cascade at that time, one of the biggest DJs in the entire world, DJing on this ship for only about thirty people, and no one really knew who this guy was, at least in that <laughs> party. I think the week before he had done some huge festival somewhere in front of you know probably sixty thousand people. The you know week before the same deal, Vegas residency and all that. And now here we are in Ibiza on the middle of this cruise ship with Cascade. And there were about 30 people that had never heard of the guy. And we're kind of like, yeah, this music's OK, I guess. You know, I don't really know. kind of like this is Cascade standing right here. And I just opened for him. And now these people, you just kind of have no idea what's going on. So, you know, um, and then there are those moments when you, you know, I like got to uh, I've got to play with my buddy uh, MC Hammer a couple times. Open open up for uh, him a number of times and everyone knows who he is and people are just going crazy and like you were saying earlier you he could literally have pressed play on probably any song out there and people would have been like uh that's cool it's mc hammer you know just do the hammer dance and this is going to be great you know
1: you know it's amazing how many people like of us of our generation we just know mc hammer we remember his beats we remember you know the the mix with the whole superfly thing and it's just and then as you get older, you realize you start saying the name. People are like, who? You're going to be like, was that? Was that? how old is he? Whatever. Like, <laughs> Wow. It's like, man, I'm getting old when no one knows what MC, who MC Hammer is. Yeah, you're like, oh, man, how are we getting old? Yeah. yeah. It's just a, it's a, it's a reminder of just like how fast time goes after. I think yeah. after you hit 25 when you can rent a car. After that, everything just time just like goes off a cliff like how long ago was that yeah but before you get there it's like it's so hard just to feel like you're an adult when you can go out and do and do things but then after okay. that it's like wow that's and it
0: does seem like a blur so much it tends to blur especially when you you know your, your time is so precious when you're you know you're busy at your job or you're busy with your family and this and so anytime you, you I, I mean, I always try to do now is just anytime I'm in kind of one of those moments where if it's, you know, one of our kids' birthdays or, you know, even if not, if it's a random Tuesday night, we're sitting on the couch and one of our kids says something really, really cool, they're really cute. Like, dad, you're the best, you know? Just try to mentally just freeze time and say, you know, this is what it's all about, you know? And just, I don't even want to think about work stress, any of it right now. I just want to try to savor this moment and be in this moment right here because I know, you know, they don't come around all the time. Right. You know
1: What was your guys' mindset on, uh Having kids when you guys first got together was it like yeah we're going to do this we're going to have a big big family was it we'll kind of figure we'll see what happens or was there a lot of apprehension at first like do we want to do we not
0: yeah no i th- I think you know that there always is a bit of apprehension although um you know my, my wife and I both have siblings she has she has several and i I have a, a a sister, so you know we were both wanted definitely wanted to have kids and and not just one but you know more than one um but I think you know, like you were saying earlier, the realities of living in, a, in an expensive place. The realities of living in the Bay Area, where everything is so expensive, and you're trying to navigate it all. Um, you know, the realities of trying to add members to your family and all the associated expenses can be daunting for sure. Um, it just comes down, you know, just really talking with whoever your you know your spouse, your partner is, um, and making sure you're both on the same page. And you know, we 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 went back and forth on it a little bit initially. Um, but in retrospect, kind of working through that and growing stronger as a couple, and then becoming parents, you know, is you realize what a gift it is, and it's it's been so unbelievable now. Um, but but certainly there are times when you 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 know you have some anxiety, you get nervous about, can I really be a good parent? You know, can I, can we afford all this stuff, all these diapers, all this formula, whatever it is? You know, all the clothes, can we make it all happen? And somehow you just you just find a way to make it happen, you know. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean.
1: I get a lot of questions about why me and my wife decided not to have kids and sure. it's like for a lot of the same reasons that you talked about there it's you know how much is everything gonna cost? can we do it? what are our careers like? is are we gonna is one of us gonna work less than than the other? How do you actually make that whole thing happen and it's uh, a lot to, to put through. It's like you know I have people who have two sets of grandparents yep. you know, his, you know his grand you know his parents and her parents still couldn't find a way to make it work even when the grandparents are helping babysit because they weren't communicating on sure. who does this when do this and what if i don't if i'm out here enough is this enough for me to do all that yeah. and it's a challenging thing because it's uh yeah it's a lot to deal with and you start asking yourself the questions is could i be a good parent if i'm always working or yep. you know is it you know am i going to raise them the right way what if something happens and it's like you know what if i would have done that five years ago this whole thing wouldn't have happened. and you know, like a lot of parents, you know, in retrospect, sometimes they think, you know, if I would have done that differently. It could have been better. Or, you know what? It was the greatest thing in the world that they turned out that the way that they actually did. And, you know, even though at the time I had no idea what I was doing, I just kind of went with the, with the flow. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It's a lot that people, especially in our generation, especially around here, are always thinking about is that. You know, is it the right thing, or am I doing this because my mom and dad say, "Hey, if you don't have kids now, then what's exactly. going to happen?" You know? yep, yep. And you guys, I have bad
0: respect for the people that you know consciously make that decision that you know we just we just don't want to have children. You know, and despite even if we feel kind of familiar pressure or societal pressure to have children, for us, for us as a couple, um, it's it's just not on our plate. And I have amazing respect for that. As opposed to, uh, you know, oh man, we feel like we should have kids, so we're going to have kids, and then we're just probably not going to be the best parents that we could be because maybe we, we truthfully didn't want to have children you know so um, I, I've known multiple couples um, that, that have felt that way and I, I salute I by no means am, am trying to say here saying you must have children you know it's whatever it really comes down to works whatever best for the couple you know it's, it's as long as you guys are on the same page that's all that matters you know? I'm
1: like I personally think that having kids is probably the best thing that we can do as a species yeah. and I salute anybody that, that does and it puts in the work to be the best Parents they possibly can. Um, right. but it's not for everybody. There sure. are some people where it's like maybe you're not meant to have children of your own. Doesn't mean you can't impact kids' lives in another way. Right. Like I have much I have a co-worker now that's trying to adopt. Amazing. And it's yeah. like you're you're giving a new life to a kid who's already here, who doesn't have anybody. For whatever reason, mom his real mom and dad are in the picture. And you're going to bring him into your home and raise him like like your own. Yeah, he's not your biological son by blood. Right. But you raise him as your own and you give him a new life and he's already here. He can go out in the world and make a good living because of what you gave him. Yeah. You know, despite the fact that he's not your biological son, it really doesn't matter. You're still taking care of someone who's already here. Yeah. Like for someone to go through all that and then go through the whole process of the adoption process and what it costs and the interviews and the waiting game to do that is like beyond, um, It's beyond comprehension I have so much respect for people that actually do that. Or even people who want to be like the aunt and the uncle that helps raise somebody else's kids because they know their brother and sister, they got to work, they're busy, they're flying all over the place. Let me help raise my niece and nephew so that they have somebody in their their life. And then when mom and dad come home, they they can take over from there. So that whole, it takes a village to raise a child and it's like having more hands to help you doing that is... Yeah, that's why when I see how Polynesian families raise their kids, where it's all it's like this big circle, yep. everybody helps each other, and that's how things go. So the more kids you have, the more that helps. Yep, absolutely,
0: it does. And and you know we're, we're thankfully you know my, my wife and I we have we have uh, parents nearby that are able to help and are able to support. We have you know uh, uh, she, her her siblings are nearby and their spouses are near. You know, for amazing support system. So uh, it it does take a village. It's it's that's the other thing is I you know I think it's and kind of parlaying to some of the stuff we're talking earlier is that you don't always have to necessarily kind of put all the weight on yourself. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to understand that you don't have to do it all by yourself. You know, that, that your spouse or partner, whether you have kids or whether you're not, whatever you're going through, you know, you don't have to go through it alone. Um, And there are people that are willing to help you. You know, I mean, I knew speaking of, you know, not necessarily having kids. I I knew a couple that they said, we don't want to have kids. We just want to have lots of dogs. (laughs) You know, we want to, we we're, very partial to rescue animals we're going to go we want to rescue uh, animals and they're, they're going to be our quote unquote children you know and it's, i think it's humble you know and amazing that, that that was their stance on it so
1: i think that's a great thing too yeah. that there's dogs and cats who are in the shelter right now that need a home yep. uh i have a respect for that and then it's somebody who maybe let's say you want that purebred saint bernard or whatever so you're gonna go sure. pay a breeder five thousand dollars to make that dog for you that's great but yeah. then what about all the other dogs who don't have a home they're already here yeah forget the price for example it's like there already there's already an animal here that could actually benefit from getting a new home or you could pay someone to make the dog for you that you want <laughs> the designer dog yeah and it's like if you were to do that angle there it's like wow you've given a home to an animal who's already here compared to having to like buy your own the way that you actually want it perfectly right you know so somebody who's going to say i'm gonna i have the skill and the ability and the space to actually raise or take care of five ten dogs whatever it is yeah and more power to you because they need homes and if you're going to give them that that life then hey yeah more that is actually needed
0: i understand both mentalities and i you know i don't you know I for the person that wants that purebred, you know, whatever it is, you know, if that's that's great, you know, and I think it's if we can sit down sit down at a table and understand both mentalities, I mean, cuz everyone has going to have a different mentality on it.
1: You can, exactly. And then you know, I'm not saying anything against anybody who does want sure. want to pay for a, a designer dog, but there's also that side where it's like, well, is there a way that we can help the the animals who are already here to say, hey, you yeah. know, I know very A lot of people around here get triggered by that. Like, you know, it's either one or the other. How could you do that when you could do this, whatever? And it's like, well, like like you said, as long as you listen to both sides, why things are actually happening. But understanding that there's also a way to kind of bridge the gap. Yeah. It kind of comes back to this whole thing, thing here, just having a conversation about, you know, how things actually work, why people do what they actually do. And you can actually learn a few things. Yeah. You know, we get to sometimes we get to set up in our, our own way. This is why things are and this is just how they are because they work in my world. Yep. You go to Texas, or you go to Nebraska, it's a different world. Yep. And unless you're willing to listen to somebody and say how they actually this is why we do it over here. You just close yourself off. We're going to continue having the same problems that we do yep. in the world where you know no one's listening to it to each other. No doubt. Yep. Like on a more lighter note, note here, when you sure. go and you do your DJing mm-hmm. around town, do you still have that that same joy that you had when you were, were were twenty? But is it on a different level now because of your
0: experience and the parties that that, that you promote? Do you still get the same amount of like, what's today going to bring? Yeah. It's it's a great question, and I uh, you know to, to be fully honest, I think there was a time. A number of years ago where um it, it i don't want to say it became monotonous but but when you know something that for me djing had started with just a simple love of music you know and it became so very you know calculated business like you know from not just the the mixing side of it to the whole business side of it it in some ways kind of kind of took the fun out of it out of it a bit you know really um so so it's that's In the past two years since covid when i've been kind of taking on some more project management stuff uh work during the week um it's in some ways it's been pretty awesome because it's brought me back to kind of that initial joy of djing you know when i'm when i'm able to, to thankfully be a kind of a bit more selective in some of the events I'm doing, um, you know, and I, I do have kind of some other ways to help, help, uh, you know, keep our family going. It's, it, it's, it's like a, absolutely a total pleasure to, to, when I get to DJ now, you know, and it's, um, it's, but maybe, maybe it was COVID was a piece of that too, is, is when we were all closed in for so long and we weren't sure when the end of was going to come. And then, all of a sudden here we are to, you know, we've, we've had all this time inside and now we're able to celebrate together again, you know, that maybe that plays a piece in it as well. Um, but it is pretty awesome to kind of be really excited about, you know, overall excited. And I've never, not like I've ever been, you know, not thankful to be able to be a a, a DJ full time. You know, I feel like it's probably to to most people on the surface would say, man, that's probably got to be one of the best jobs out there. Right. You know, but with any job, there are the ups and downs, you know, there are the, the stress you go through the challenges. Um, but it's, it's, it's pretty awesome to be at a point now where I'm, I'm back to that initial feeling I got when I first got into DJing as far as the excitement.
1: That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. What is like that one thing about being a DJ that if you could tell like a young person who's interested in doing it about what the, the joys actually are, is it the experience, the clubs that you go to, the different people? Is it the money? Is it the notoriety? Like what's that one thing that you're like, this is what really makes it worth it for me.
0: I mean, for a young person, all of that could seem very attractive. And, but I would say, you know, at least I would say, don't worry about the money and this, this, whether it's DJing or anything else, I would say, just don't worry about the money. Initially get into it because you love doing it. If you love, I think, I think my dad the saying he said once was, you know, find something you love doing and then find someone who's going to pay you to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, don't necessarily get in because you want to have a big paycheck or all this, you know, kind of be able to travel and meet all these, these cool people, um, get into it cause you love doing it. And it doesn't matter kind of what your first events are you're doing, you know, start off in your bedroom, start off throwing a house party, start off doing whatever it is. But the more you do it, the more things will flow and the more, more the kind of, you know, snowball will roll. And, you know, after a couple of years, you'll be surprised where you're at. What's like the lifespan, not lifespan, like the, <laughs>
1: the career span of your typical yeah. DJ? Is it kind of when you get into your, your 40s, most guys like kind of tap out and say, okay, I'm done with all the loud clubs? Yeah. Or is it you still see people who can continue on Is like, hey, as long as I can create music and people want to see it, yeah. I'll just keep doing it? Or does it kind of like take its toll on your body? more so as
0: you're getting it does it you know like i said i'm kind of building things into my contract now where a table has to be a certain height because you know i am you know 40 now and i i you know i'm tall and i've been leaning over uh really low dj booths for years now and and it's you know my chiropractor you know has to see me every now and then to help me get realigned for all this stuff i mean there are certain things like that um but I, I think I think you know it, it depends on the person I think I think you'll know when it's time to kind of move on you know for me I, I never would want to feel like I had you know kind of gotten um, you know to a point where I I just wasn't in touch anymore just really had no desire to do it anymore you know it's I, I've seen DJs now that are you know, 50s I've seen, you know, DJs older than that, 50, almost 60, and, and still have that passion and drive, still just love creating music, and people feed off that energy. You know, people see their excitement and their, their desire to be out there, then people feed off that for sure.
1: Age really is a number now more than ever. It's like if you take care of your body and you eat right, you know, you could be 50 but look like you're 35 or whatever to somebody else who doesn't know, you know, oh, you look like you're 35. I'm 50 whatever because I take care of myself so I can prolong my career, enjoy things more than I could if I just let myself go and became like, you know, dad bod, bad eating and then just ask ah, screw it doesn't really matter. And then, you know, that's how people age a lot faster.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I know there's some big DJs, you know, I think like Steve Aoki uh, doesn't drink at all. He's all green. Um, you know, there's some other prominent DJs that, uh, are very, you know, are very, uh, uh, particular about what, you know, what they eat, you know, their exercise routine, they don't drink, they don't party, they don't do crazy drugs, all this stuff. Um, you know, for them, like you said, to have that longevity and be able to put on those huge shows all the time, it's it's, yeah, it does take a lot physically on your body, you know, and mentally. And if you're, you know, kind of rock star lifestyle, don't care all the time, it's you know, you're gonna you're gonna fuse out pretty quick.
1: That's that's amazing. I never thought about that. That some of these DJs who are more advanced in age than than the other ones are doing things like they're not drinking or they're uh, not indulging in the things that you expect people to indulge in a club. Yeah, yeah. You know, you see the the occasional person like take take a bottle and they just. Kill it right then. And there, yeah. throw it in the audience, and you kind of get the perception. Oh, I'm guessing all DJs do it to kind of add the thing. But then yeah. behind the scenes, it's like no, nah, he's just chugging on water or icy tea or something like that because he knows he's got to keep going. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Tap out
0: your body now. It's like I remember there was, Steve Aoki had a Cribs episode a number of years ago, and I expected to see just you know like. You know, guys and girls laying naked all over the place, and his fridge just, you know, whatever handles of vodka and, and anything. Um, but it was all like green, you know, natural juice, and his vitamin, you know, uh, things all over the place, and, you know, like very quiet Zen atmosphere. And I was like, Then you see him put on his show and he's just like screaming and throwing cakes and, you know, crazy smoke and everything. And it was just night and day different at his at his home center from from his workplace. It was pretty amazing to see. How about your hearing?
1: Just because of the loud environment, do you you start noticing over time that, hey, I'm, you know, it's starting to go. I got to be careful with it. Or because you're wearing the headphones most of the time, it's only when you take them off and then the boom, boom of the, of of the, of the speakers really kick in that affects you. You
0: gotta be, you know, I'm I'm very aware of it. I never, you know, I want to be able to, I'm very aware of, of hearing of, of, you know, I I try to, I work out a lot, not just because I'm trying to get buff or whatever, just because I want to be able to stay healthy in this, in this career for a long time. I want to be able to play with my kids for a long time. Um, but I'm very, you know, when I'm in that, that party atmosphere, uh, trying to be very aware of like my own volume levels. I have some special, um, custom-made uh, uh, earplugs that I can put in that kind of filter out all the the, the bad frequencies um, mm-hmm. and just, you know, kind of only only keeping the stuff that allows me to, to hear from, you know, the necessary stuff I need to, to mix and keep the party going. Um, so I had those done and, and, you know, was excited when I found this lady who would do them for me, you know, kind of taking those little considerations to um, you know, to, to, to stay healthy, you know, cause health is, is everything, you know, especially in, in the past couple of years. Well, anytime, but you know, with, with everything going on from COVID to, to everything now, it's just like health is always on my, the forefront of my mind, at least.
1: Well, it's good. You're thinking about that yeah. right? because it, it's something that, you know, as I get, get older too, I start thinking about too, like, you know, what am I going to do when my current career is over? Right. You know, am I going to just sort of, you know, Retire on a beach drinking margaritas, maybe for a week. <laughs> sure. And that's going to get old very quick. Right. It's like, what else am I going to do? And am I getting the steps done now to sort of prepare me for whenever that day actually is where it's time to leave X career and now mm. go on to something else? You know, the old school way of doing it was you retire at 50 and then right. your house is paid off, your kids are at the house, and this is your golden years, the baby boomer, of, you know, fantasy. And we're like, even if I were to retire at 50, 55, 57, whatever it is. I'm going to still have a lot of youth and energy that I still want to go and do something. I don't want to just sit at home and do yep. nothing just because I could. It's like you want to go out there and actually do something uh, productive, which is kind of what I'm doing here. Just do something that's actually keeps you going, Learn learning different things. And, yeah. you know, for me, what I'm learning here is to trying to find that, that whole balance, which is one thing that I always go back to. How do you yep. balance one thing with the other with all these other things? Mm-hmm. And we're
0: all trying to find that secret sauce or at least what, work, what works for us. Right, right. I, yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, if I was 60 just sitting on my couch all day, I would, you know, probably just be bored out of my mind or, you know, I think by actually staying and, and doing things, it, it helps, you know, keep you young and, and moving and everything on else. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, for me, education is always there. You know, I, I think you never stop learning, you know, maybe, maybe you go back and doing some other school or an advanced, another advanced degree or something like that or, you know, maybe writing or, um, you know, for me, I'm sure I'm going to have my big old stack of records at home and I'll just be, you know, th- thinking about the good old days of Vegas nightclubs and whatever yeah. else. And then just, you know, listen to my old records on the record player and, um, you know, playing, playing a lot of golf, that'll be good too, but playing a lot of golf.
1: So when your career is done with DJ, is that what you see yourself doing, enjoying golf? Or do you see yourself doing, in addition to that, something else that, uh, you can sort of have a passion on. Have you thought? Yeah. Yeah, like, definitely. That I,
0: I, you know, the, the project management stuff that I've, I've taken on since COVID hit um, is I, you know, I'm sure that will, that'll keep growing. That'll keep expanding. And that will, that will I'm probably sure in a lot of ways become a, a kind of second career, you know? Um, I think I'm in a phase now where, um, you know, I'm, I'm just really enjo- enjoying DJing and uh, very thankful for to, you know, that events are back and getting to, to, to do all kinds of great events but but knowing as well that you know those won't last forever and I will get to a point or a certain age where you know I'm just won't won't want to be DJing all the time Um, so enjoying it while it's here and always kind of keeping an eye out on that, that next, you know, kind of venture like you're talking about, you know, and keeping an eye out, whether it's, you know, work related or, or not, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of it will be, you know, stuff that, uh, my wife and I, things we'll want to treat do from traveling or trying different things. Um, you know, I'm sure our kids following them around when they get to be, you know, going to school, wherever, whatever, whatever they're doing career wise, you know, following them and living through them and, and seeing all their joys and, and what they're doing too. So,
1: you know. Do you see it as uh, in the career of DJing where the longer that you that you do it, the more experience that you get, the more you can keep up with the times, the more people want to bring you in to actually do the uh, gigs? Or do you see it as like professional athletes are a good, good example. You, yeah. you come in here, you're the top talent from college. You're, you know you're king of the hill you're like kevin durant or Le- lebron james but then you hit a point where it's like now you can't perform the same way as you used to And here come the these young kids that are coming in they're basically taking your place do you kind of see the same thing or yep. feel the same thing in DJing, or pretty much as long as you keep up with the new music mm-hmm. it's still going to work for you either way
0: I, I i think it's a great question and, and i mean f- for me, seeing you know, knowing how competitive the the DJ landscape is now, seeing that you know you can get the 16 year old kid that just goes and buys the digital turntable thing and can be playing a party you know that night, that kind of stuff, I think does does certainly keep you motivated. Um, but for me, you know, I'm at a point now where I'm, I'm thankful to work with so many amazing uh, agents and event planners and and hope high profile events that I always want to make sure that the product that I'm delivering is is you know second to none, you know, so I, I put in, you know, countless hours, you know, um, at home that people don't even see, you know, practicing, working on music, you know, doing remixes and edits and all these things and, and kind of getting everything ready. So even if it's only maybe a three, four hour event that I'm doing, there's probably at least 10, 12, 15 hours of pre-work that I've done at home to in advance of that event. So when I step out on that stage, um, you know, it's, it's hopefully, you know, great product. Um you gotta put the work I I'm a firm believer that if you don't put that work in, um, you know, the quality will suffer.
1: That's crazy, and that, do you have a specific genre or you pretty much, hey, what what is it the client want? You want this? Okay, I'm gonna make that happen. Even if that's not my normal specialty music. How does yeah. that actually work?
0: Yeah, I, I you know, I love as I said, I love all kinds of music. So and I'm thankful to you know, some nights maybe do this kind of set or this kind of set or this genre or that genre. Um and to me, it's I, that's what what I kind of feed off is that it's always a different challenge, something new to wrap my head around, and it's the kind of music I haven't maybe as familiar with, you know, um, or don't. I- Maybe not as not as that, but if I that I don't play a whole lot, for example, here in the Bay Area, there's not a ton of country music parties. It's just not really that part of of the United States. So, (laughs) you know, I did did a wedding two weeks ago and they just they wanted a whole bunch of country music. And I just don't play a ton of that because it's not really that scene in the Bay Area. So kind of, you know, practicing a whole lot of stuff like that at home. Those kind of challenges are cool because it's it's like something new. It's like the new egg to crack. It's like oh man, I want to get into that and try to figure that one out. And you know,
1: so how does that work when you have a genre like country that you're just like oh, I've never really dealt with that, but yeah. now you're thrown into the fire. I got to perform a party where they want country music. Yeah, like what's the first thing that you do? Do you just go and find like the top you know country music stars that there is and then just kind of work from there, or do you how? How does you, that even work? You want
0: to make sure, yeah. You want to make sure you kind of get your get your hits down, you know. Get your 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 playlist all knocked out. Um, so you'll you know you'll talk to the client. You'll you'll seek recommendations from them and make sure that you kind of have all their favorites included. You know, you'll certainly consult with with charts and stuff like that. And and you know, I've been doing it long enough now where I definitely kind of know. You know, I I definitely know a bunch of good country stuff. But um, and then from a technical level, it's once you can you know understand. That each each song, regardless of genre, has its own, and not to get too tactical, but it has its own kind of tempo that it's at. You right. could honestly, you could mix anything together. Like if you had a Beethoven song that was at 120 beats per minute, and you had a Calvin Harris song, you could you could mix them together because it's just like riding a bike. It's like the two wheels go at the same time. Wow. Um, you know, so it's it's kind of like stuff like that is you know is. is when you figure out the basics like that it's it's kind of the sky's the limit
1: you ever get people come up to you afterwards saying that was so awesome do you have an album because i want
0: that song i, I do uh you know they'll say hey man do you have any mixes up and that's all from my website where they can see all the mixes and and stuff like that yeah that's awesome man yeah. so like
1: the hours that you're putting in prior to a gig especially a big one especially when we're you may not be as familiar with with the with the uh, genre yeah what is that like at, at home? And how do you like have the, the conversations with, with your wife saying, hey, you know, this is gonna, I need to spend time
0: on this for like 10, 12 hours, a couple of days, how do those conversations go? Yeah, she. I mean, you know, you, you, you definitely try to factor, you factor in your, you know, kind of work time around, certainly your family schedule, right? You know, so you, it's it's important to me to kind of have like those meal times when the kids get yeah. home from school, when we have, you know, they're taking their bath, getting ready for bed, all that stuff you know, those are very crucial family times. And so I factor all my work around that, you know, so there's been countless nights where, you know, kids are in bed, you know, dinner's all packed up. And then that's when I'm putting in the long hours, you know, kind of in my little lab, figuring everything out um, and just trying to work, work and, and factor around that, that family schedule.
1: Do you ever get those times where you're just in the, the zone in terms of what you have to create that You don't mean I even know it until she tells you that, hey, you haven't said hi to me in a couple of days (laughs) or you haven't done that. Because I know I've been that plenty of times, whether it's uh, at work or coming home and editing this, this whole thing here. You get in the zone. You're like, I got to work. I got to finish it. And it's so easy to forget, like, oh, I never said hi to you or I haven't hugged you or whatever it is because I'm just so in zone. And it takes me I don't know about you, but it takes me a second to actually be able to step back and say, all right, uh, I need to. To my brain off of what I'm working on because I'm so into it and realize, oh, there are other things. And that's one of the things that I tend to struggle with a lot, too, when I'm trying to either be at work. It's focusing on that. I come here and I do this. It's focusing on this and then being able to flip that that switch to say, okay, close this it's family time now or mm-hmm. it's me and her time and mm-hmm. she doesn't have a lot of time because she's working as well. Are you kind of in the same boat as it's me? true.
0: It's true. I mean, there, you know, there's been those nights when we kind of like my wife will get home from work and we'll kind of high five and I'm off to work, you know, and we kind of have those quick exchanges sometimes. Um, and then times where, you know, I'm kind of in my zone working and kids will bust in the door with a, you know, uh, busted his knee on this or something, or my wife will ask me about this, whatever it may be. Um, just, you know, need some support or, or need, um, you know, just need to talk about something, you know, more real than kind of this event I'm getting ready for. Um, and it's, it it can be challenging at times, you know, trying to, to get out of your little zone that you're in and kind of switch your brain, like you said, and take a step back. Um, and I, I, it is tricky. And I think just with over with practice and, and, and working on it, but, it's it's you know I'm not sitting here you know trying to say I'm an expert on this stuff. I mean I'm I'm always trying to learn as well. It's because it's tricky.
1: It's a never ending thing. It's yeah. that yin and the yang. There's that energy that you know a lot of guys give off and an energy that a lot of women get off. And we mm-hmm. it, we um it we're working together. to helps us balance it. But then it's easy for us to forget it. We get too much into our own way. Yep. We forget about you know the other side of it. And it's one of those things why you know being in a relationship or a marriage for multiple years, ten years or whatever is more. Yeah. That's where the big challenge comes from that I've seen is being able to shut certain things off and realize, you know, your partner's got their own things going on, too. Yeah. And if you don't respond to that, you know how things happen, a lot of problems that I see with friends, co-workers or acquaintances is that we get so focused into this whole zone and I've been guilty of it, too. You know, hey, you know, I need to go out and make all the money because I need to take care of this, this, this bill. I got to prepare for this, um, you know, retirement account. I have to go take the cars to get fixed. I got to go, you know, buy this and build that, whatever it is, because we're very technical. I mean, I don't know if you're the same way, but yeah. I'm very like technical. I got to get the tasks done. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. I never get time to actually step back and say, oh, yeah, there's the emotional side. There's the, I need to sit down and talk to you side. I'm, mean, it's, um, yeah. It's foreign to me. And sometimes I, I have to work on trying to explain it to her so she understands this is how my mind works. Yep. I think a lot of us forget about that, that people's minds work differently. True. So what's obvious to me is not obvious to you and vice versa. And it's like just even understanding that helps things go a long way. It's so if- true.
0: Understanding kind of the mentality where that, you know, uh, where that other person's coming from. Um, you know, maybe your day was amazing. Maybe they had a horrible day, you know, and, and kind of taking that step back to, you know, put yourself in their shoes for a minute. Um, you know, and, and it's not just a spouse, it's, it's talking to people at the workplace and understanding where they're coming from. But it's so crucial because, because like you said, people do think different ways and people process information differently. And this goes back to, we are talking about earlier, I mean, with gun control and, and abortion and everything else is that at people just process things differently. Um, but on an intimate level, you know, with your spouse or your partner or whatever it is, it's, um. It, it can be tricky, you know, and I think that's where just it all comes down to communication in my mind is just being open with each other about the challenges and and, um, and trying to get we? on the same page. You need a refill? Absolutely. You <laughs> Thank you. Hold on, I'll just pass it down to you. <laughs> this, is long,
1: there go. this is good stuff. It's, uh, yeah, the way I kind of like to explain it to people sometimes is like if you have a coin, me and you could be looking at the same coin, but you're looking at heads and I'm looking at tails, but we're like, it's the coin. We're not realizing that there's something on the other side that mm-hmm. they see, but we're both looking at the same exact coin. That's true. And I see so many people like that. Nope, this is the it's tails. If you don't see tails, where well, you're an idiot. Well, from their side, it's heads. It's the same freaking coin. Yeah, yeah. But we don't actually take a step, take the take the second to actually say, all right, what's going on here? And you know, I try to make sure that I explain my, my my side of it, but also realize there's another side that maybe I just don't see. And no matter how much I try to wrap my head around it, I mm-hmm. can't get it. Yeah. But knowing now that there is another side to it and accepting that and saying, okay, this is how you view, view the world. It's different than how I view it. And I can't explain why it's different, but it is different. And I know it's different for, for you. So we're going to work with that. That's how you see it. I'm going to work with it.
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. And, and, and I would ask you too, kind of how you... You know, cause I know your, your day job can be, you know, pretty crazy at times. And it's not that I'm trying to say our, our careers are very similar, but you know, it's like being at a crazy event or being in a crazy situation to your work. It's kind of like when you come home, it's kind of, how do you, you know, kind of, you know, turn off or kind of reset to be be there for your family.
1: You, you know? know, it's amazing with that one. And thankfully, I work in a city where I don't see the worst of, well, depending on how you want to say it, right. I don't see the worst. The things that you see on TV all day, every day that happen like in Oakland or Stockton or yeah. South or East LA, whatever, I don't deal with that on a, daily, on a daily basis. And I'm thankful that I work in a city where we all work together between the department, the community, the city to make sure that the city is well run and yeah. it's a place where you want to live at. That being being said, we do see a lot that I process every day, and sometimes, and she doesn't believe me when I say this. On a twelve-hour shift, if I deal with something, and let's say at seven a.m., and I don't get home till seven p.m., I literally have forgotten about what I did at seven a.m. because it's just throughout the course of the day, you you put out one fire here. Okay, there's the next fire, and maybe it's not you know gunshot, gunshot, gunshot. Maybe it is um, you know domestic violence to a barking dog to somebody who jumped off of a, this has happened off a 150 foot transmission line wow. and having to go in realize the guy is still alive after touching the wire at however many thousand volts and oh then man. helping him get him the medical attention, get the helicopter in to fly him out. And then once it's gone, all right, what's next? What's the next call for service? And right. being able to process all that. And I've just learned to, you know, handle it then and then and there. And then it doesn't bother me anymore. And I go on with the rest of my day and I go home. How'd your day go? it was fine. Like, Oh yeah, that, that happened. But I totally, you know, just literally it kind of just, I move, move on from it. The only thing that actually sticks with me is when it's stuff that involves children, Mm -hmm. that's where you're like, okay, that's just on a whole different level. And you know, those are things that you have to like, wow, that's, you know, that kind of stuff happens and no one wants to talk about it because it's, um, you know, how dare someone do that, especially when it's your, when it's their own kid. That's a whole, yeah, another bag of worms there that I don't really want, want to get into here, but it, it happens. And then you have to process that. Right. And then you have to come home right? and switch that off and then get to whatever it is you're actually doing. Okay. I gotta, I gotta walk the dog. I gotta make dinner. I gotta make my lunch for tomorrow. And I got three hours to do all that. Maybe I can catch a little bit of ESPN and then <laughs> fall asleep and then do it again the next day. That's right. Yeah. And it can be, it be a challenge because you get so set in, like we were talking about, we get in our zones. We know how to do this and do this and do this and do this yep. fall asleep. Yep. And in that whole process, we forget to take time to spend, to talk to our partners because yep. we're just like, this is how I'm working. Kind of leave me alone. You get bills are paid dinners here. You're good. Right.
0: I'm similar. I'm very like kind of task, you know, mission checklist. Like here's my list. Boom. Got that done. Boom. Got that, you know, and it's just uh, you know, my, my wife is not always just like that, you know, and, and I'm sure that's the same for a lot of couples is this is kind of, you know, just not always that same mesh in that way. So how do you work through that as a couple and, and, you know, you know, uh, uh, kind of grow, grow off that and, and, and work, work through it together.
1: Right. And it's, you know, I know she does she doesn't see it and I don't blame her at all. It's the way that we're wired. We yeah. are wired differently, whether you call it men and women or yeah. Pisces and Sagittarius, if you believe in that, in the Zodiac sure. stuff, yeah. you know, we're all wired differently. And it's how do we just understand, Hey, I don't see the world the same way that, that you do. You don't see the world the same way as I do. You handle stress differently than I do. Yeah. Let's just agree to disagree on what's right or what's wrong and just accept that we're both different that way now that we've gotten that out the way how do we go beyond that yeah and it's like okay that's how you process it i understand how what's the next step that we can do now as opposed to well you're just nuts because you don't want to talk to me because you don't tell me how your date how your day is going it's like honestly <laughs> do you really want me to tell you everything every day right and it's uh but it's not the point though that I find out. It's just the the, the communication part that let's yep. sit down and, and have a conversation about whatever it could be about. Yeah, you know the, I got the tire changed on the patrol car today. You know, and uh, talking to the guy about at the shop about how his life and he went to go to Tahoe. It could be something as simple as that. Yep. Then maybe in the moment I'm like, that's no big deal. Who cares? <laughs> but it's like a simple conversation that that's right. all they, that that's all sometimes couples actually need. Yep. Yep. But you're right. It's hard for us to change to switch our mind because working together that's how things work that's kind of like how when you build a family that's how things work somebody's got to go to the store somebody's got to go take the kids to school pick them up somebody's got to take them you know to the you know counselor or the whatever or the softball game or or whatever it is and Mm -hmm. then somebody's also got to be there to read in the bedtime story right and you know bond with them that way and sometimes we split it up and you do that and you do this and we're good and then more along the lines is how do we mesh that and just just sounds to be like you know some people are better a than they are b yeah and yeah. that can be a hard thing to understand too within it's,
0: couples that's why i'm always you know uh kind of amazed by you know single parents that just don't have that other you know partner kind of spouse as that support system you know and how they especially if they have more than one kid you know kind of how, how they handle it all it's it, you know absolutely take my hat off to them um but, you know, that's it's the nice thing about having that partner spouse is that it is that support system. And, and, you know, through communication, communication, man, just it sounds so, so simple, you know, just communicate. But, you know, it's that's always not it's not always the easiest thing to do. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, hey, talk to me. OK, what do you want to talk about? Um, <laughs> right. I don't know. What's the um, what's the weather like? It's yeah. funny how it doesn't come right. to us naturally for right. a lot of guys, especially to just yeah. start talking about. Sure what our partners want, I want to see. It's like, oh, you want to know how my day went? It was fine. <laughs> Literally, it was fine. Nothing, yeah. nothing to report here, sir. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but going back yeah. to, the, to the single parent thing, that's, uh, it was, I don't know if it's a funny story, but it's a story. Uh, she was telling me a, a time where a guy came in, a single father, brought his like 12 year old daughter in said, Hey, I think she needs something done with her hair. She wants to go blonde, whatever it is. He's taking his daughter to the hair stylist, but mm. he was raising her as a single father get to the salon, and they went to go look at the daughter, the daughter's hair, and apparently, I don't know how to explain this the best way, but apparently the, her hair underneath the top layer was all matted, so oh. it was all, like, condensed, like, okay. if you think of dreadlocks, like, it's like that, yep. and they're like, what happened, how did her hair get this way, and the dad's like, I don't know, I just brush it every night, what happened, and they're like, well, you know, when you brush uh, long hair, you have to go different layers, He's like, "Huh? I don't, huh, <laughs> And it's like, that's not something that a lot of guys think about, sure. We're like, brush the hair. We don't think about moving this and move, moving, moving that, but yeah. he didn't know. Right. There was no one there to actually tell him. Right. So, unfortunately, they had to cut off a lot of her hair because it was just so, like, matted together that they couldn't do anything with it. They had to basically reset it. And it's like, wow. you can tell, like, right, right there, the father was trying. Right. He wants to do right for his daughter, and this is what he knows. Okay, brush the hair. We're good, Right. Right. And then having the other partner to be able to say well there's more to it than just what you, you see here's the other side of it yeah and maybe she didn't see at first but that combined together you can both work together to help raise a child or do something else so yeah. an example of it's hard for us to do it on our own and i see that a lot with single mothers unfortunately mm-hmm especially if they're raising young boys in today's day and age, it's that young boy needs a father. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't have one, he's going to be much more likely to go the wrong path Mm -hmm. because he needs that father figure in his life. And if he doesn't have his own father, for whatever reason, he's going to find it somewhere else. And nine times out of 10, it's probably going to be something you don't want him to be in, whether Mm -hmm. it's gangs or whether it's just the wrong crowd or Mm -hmm. you, you know, if you bring another, you know, somebody to be a stepfather, it's not quite the same thing. It's a lot more work to make that actually happen. Right. I have a family member now who, uh, was raising a son as his own. It was actually his wife's run another marriage and, you know, I, he did his best, but, you know, the kid now is like in his mid twenties and he's got a lot of problems and he just never, as much as, uh, my relative tried to work with him, It just wasn't, it, it just didn't buy in whether the, the kid blamed the father for not being there for him the real father or whatever it is Mm -hmm. this kid just went down the wrong path in this life and it's like you know trying to get him set straight but it's it's hard and now he had and my 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 relative pretty much had to face the facts where we just had to cut him off and it's like we can't do anything for him he's an adult and if that's what's gonna happen then he's gonna have to go through the justice system because he's making those choices oh
0: man that's so challenging yeah
1: it's so yeah you're right it's like if i'm gonna have kids and it's like we both had to do this together, me and my wife, because yep. we both had to be in his life or her life, and we both had to do our part to do what's best to make sure we raise him. And, you know, maybe right. I can do my my part if we had kids to, you know, make sure that they understand what the world's like. Yep. And you can do things that I'm just not as so accustomed to. <laughs> sure. And that's but, the
0: beauty of it is that, you know, you each bring your different strengths to the table, you know, and you, you, like us as guys, we don't have to necessarily know all the, all the ends We don't have to do it all. You know, uh, we have, we have our partner there to, to help us with the rest of it. Um, but like I said, earlier, I said earlier, we were talking about earlier, as I think, you know, salute to the the people that just realize that, you know, kids are not for them. And so, you know, just knowing that and as opposed to bringing the kids in and, you know, just not really wanting to, to worry about them. Uh, we had kids and now they're kind of a drag. And so I'm just going to forget about it. It's like, yeah, not, not ideal. So, um, but just being on, being on that same page with your partner about whatever you guys want to do.
1: If you can go back in time and tell your 20 year old self about
0: what life is like at 40, would you believe how your life turned out? Oh man. No. And I'm sure everyone probably says that, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny when you look at the different jobs you think about you want to do. I remember when I was a kid, I I heard that investment bankers make a lot of money. So I was like, Oh yeah, I want to be an investment banker. You know? Um, you know, you just think about all the various jobs you want to try to do. Um, want to be a park ranger for a while and you know, it's just all the random things. And then it's just, it's just so life. You will take you on these paths. And I, I, I do often wonder about, you know, um, you know, like, I've said like, oh, if you could live two lives or three lives, you know, would you do like do this for one or this for one, you know, but I, I think for, for, for people that are kind of wondering about trying different things, um, knowing that we have, you know, just this life. Uh, you know, I would say just try it, you know, because if you, I would much rather, I think what's the old saying, like, you know, better to have tried and failed than never tried at all. I mean, it's yeah, you know, It kind of sounds yep. like a bumper sticker at this point, but it's, I think there's a lot of truth as far as I would, I, I, my hope is that when I'm, you know, 90 plus Lord willing sitting on my sofa is that I won't look back and say like, man, I really should have tried that thing. You know, or, I really should have tried that one, you know, um, you know, not that, you know, part of me, you wanted to go like, uh, you know. Go follow a rock band around, you know, world tour or something like, and obviously there are certain things that are more realistic than others, but right. point being, if there are things you're wondering about, it's, you know, um, try, trying to give them a shot as much as you can, you know, cause it's, you know, life goes quick, you know, it blurs together. It really does. You know, tell me about it, man. You have yeah. a son and a daughter, correct? Uh, two, two, two boys, two boys. Now. Yep. Okay. Yeah.
1: Like if you were to, if, what would like be the biggest piece of advice you would tell them as they get into, especially their their teenagers, when things are starting to think, you "No, know, okay, here's how the world actually works." Like, yeah,
0: I, man, I would say just just enjoy being a kid as long as possible. You know, I remember being a kid and all I wanted to do was be an adult because I just wanted to do all the things that adults could do. You know, and it's funny, like I see in, in our oldest son right now, he's like, "Dad, I just want to be an adult. I want to do what you're doing. I want to be able to." And it's, it kind of breaks your heart a little bit because you know that their childhood's going to go by so fast and it's just trying to encourage them to just don't worry about that. Just enjoy being a kid. That's all you have to do right now, you know, is, is get, get an education, you know, go to school and just enjoy being a kid because you're going to have so much time for all the adult responsibilities that come with it, you know. But, it, 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 you know, when you're eight years old, it, that doesn't make any sense. You just want to be an adult and that, do that.
1: I think we, I think, well, at least me, and you probably were the same way too, mm-hmm. if I was... 10 12 years old again I would have said the exact same thing yeah because all you know is you're living at home mom and dad pay for everything you can't go out past 10 o'clock you can't drive you can't you know have your own place right. you know when when you get to the age where you get interested in girls if you're a guy like 16 17 18 whatever it is it's like yep. oh you know my mom and dad it's embarrassing that I'm around mom and dad like you really just want to be like I want to be on my own I want to make money I want to go and do what I want to do have my own place do whatever I want to do do there yeah and then You get told by people, enjoy your your youth because once it's gone, it's gone. You're like, well, my, you know, it kind of sucks. I can't do anything. And then you become an adult and then you get into the real world where you're working. You're commuting. Uh, It's harder to actually, you know, keep your health in the the same place as you can't do the same things you could physically at 15 that you can when you're almost 35, 40 years old. Like, oh, I can't run that fast anymore. (laughs) And then it starts. It starts to hit you. Like, wow, yeah. Did I do everything I wanted to when I was younger? Had I known that this is what my life was gonna be like, maybe I would have followed that rock band around when I was 19, or said, screw it, I don't want my own place. I (laughs) want to just go live on my buddy's couch so I could go and start this whole thing career. Yeah, you don't know until you get 30. But no matter how much we would tell somebody who's 10, 15 years old right now to believe that, yeah, yeah. we know they're not gonna. Right. <laughs> they're like, kid being a kid sucks.
0: It's in one ear and out the other, they're gonna say, "Dad, you're full of whatever," you know. And and certainly, i you know, depending on what age you are, you can obviously you know afford to take more risks than other ages. You know, currently when you have more responsibilities or whatnot. But man, just 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 being a kid and and you know the stuff you think about is is gonna be crazy or earth shattering as a kid or oh, that boy or girl didn't like me or whatever. And when you're 14 years old or whatever, you know, 10 years from now, maybe to one year from now, you're not going to worry about that. You know? Not at
1: all. And then also, too, as you get older and you experience more life, you kind of figure out what career you actually want mm-hmm. or where you want to actually go. And you're thinking, well, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that had, you know, I had not made this decision in life. Or, you know, one thing that gets a lot of young men, unfortunately, is that they try to do everything right. Like, okay, I'm gonna go to college, I'm gonna do my studies, I'm gonna study to be whatever, finance, whatever it is, and just hunker down and do that so I can get this really good job when I graduate. And then when I graduate, then I'll be able to you know afford a home and get married and have kids and do that that whole thing. And then also you don't wanna bypass those, those years in your 20s where you can actually enjoy meeting new people, you can enjoy a little bit of traveling, you can enjoy doing things because if you don't, if you only focus so much on what you need to do to get that career, and you miss out on that valuable time yeah that is a fine balance that i struggled with when i was that age too because sure. you want to graduate in four years from a college you want to start making money but then if you don't also balance that with enjoying your you know prime years if you will then
0: totally you know, and that's and those guys we want to you know get very kind of everything should be very linear you know here's our path we paved out for ourselves these are the things we know we want to do to get done so let's just but life will throw you curveballs, you know. I mean, I was—I uh, got out of high school, you know, 18 years old, like most kids, and um, you know, I done very well. Played up, played sports, and great grades. And I got accepted to the, the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, Federal Service Academy. Um, and I had to report for—they had a boot camp. It was like the first week of July, and I just graduated—I think like early June—from high school. My friends had throw me a big going away party like, hey, good luck, you know, good luck to the academy. You're going to be great, you know, and somehow in a couple of weeks before I had to show up, I got this horrible bronchitis mm. uh, and I was like wheezing on an inhaler. And I had never used an inhaler in my entire life. Uh, long story short, showed up to boot camp the first day in the academy medical department, took one look at me and said, there's no way you're going to be able to physically do any of this. Uh, so essentially come back next year, we'll save you a spot next year, you know? And so like Hmm. eight, you know, 8am the next morning after showing up, I was at the front gate with my bag waiting for a a taxi to the airport to fly back home. And as an 18 year old kid, I mean, it was, it was absolutely devastating, you know, especially after I took taken so much pride in, in, you know, doing well in high school Um, you know, I think I got home and for a couple weeks, didn't reach out to any friends, didn't want to talk to anybody. We just kind of got in my little hole of, you know, remorse for, you know, or sorrow for the whole, whole time. And, um, you know, in retrospect, it was, you know, it was an amazing kind of curveball that got thrown, thrown my way is because it made me stronger. It, It made, you know, helped me to learn how to deal with adversity and challenges when life throws you, you know, something, something tough. Um, you know, went back to the academy the next year and, and in the meantime went to a, a, a junior college and got to take a bunch of classes and transfer over some credits, which was a huge help. Um, but kind of as we talk about, you know, these like linear paths we think we're going to be on, sometimes you just get with a herd ball. And that's just the way life is, you know. And it's how can we respond to it? Can we turn that seemingly really negative thing into, uh, into a positive? You know, how can we, how can we benefit from it, hopefully?
1: It's a, you know what we dealt with back then it's the same thing that's happening now when you know young kids especially young young men are that age and they're not just sort of processing it yeah. the difference now is that there's social media so imagine now going through all that right? and now you go online and now you're seeing what everybody else is saying and you kind of Social media can be a great thing, but can also be very dangerous if you don't do it the right way. And when you're young, impressionable, and your mind's not developed at that age to really process all that, you right. can easily fall off a cliff. And that's the one thing that uh, I don't know how we can figure out in this modern world for the young kids, the young men, the young women, so that they don't take what they see and go the wrong way. Right. I mean, we could do what China does, and they just you know, censor everything that you're only going to see what we tell you to see. And in a way it saves their, their youth from all this negative stuff, but it's an autocratic system. Right. So you're, you know, authoritarian system where where we want you to only see this. It's like, what's the right answer.
0: It's like, I don't know what the right answer is on that one. It's hard, man. I mean, I, I just like this past week, our eight year old came to us and said, he, you know, he feels like he's fat and he's, he's just not. I mean, he's just like muscular, strong, healthy boy, knock on wood. And, um, you know, so my wife and I was just heartbreaking because like, where's he getting this from? I mean, he doesn't have a cell phone yet, of course, because he's only eight. He's not looking at social media all day long, but somewhere he kind of got this sentiment. And and for kids that even are older and have phones now and looking at, you know, Instagram or TikTok all day long and kind of comparing themselves to what they're seeing on these, these social media outlets constantly all day long. uh, Man, I'm, I'm thankful we didn't have to have to deal with at least all that, you know, inundated with it all every day.
1: That's crazy. An eight year old boy coming to his parents say, Hey, I'm fat. And you're just dad. like,
0: what are you talking about? You know? So, so a, a big thing for us is we never want to be, you know, kind of like our, you know, our, maybe our, some of our parents would say, dad, just suck it up. You're crazy. You know, we, we want to take that moment to pause and, and, you know, kind of delve into it deeper. You know, well, why, why are you thinking that, you know, what, what kind of what's behind that? And let's, let's talk about it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, Social media is it's it's absolutely changed everything, you know, and the fact that we can get news access to everything literally in two seconds, uh, you know, I often you know, at times, even as a DJ, I struggle with, man, what's the point of even putting together a whole, what's the point of spending hours trying to put a whole new mix for people out wow. together when there's like new songs coming out every two seconds? You know, I often wonder about that.
1: You really get that sentiment? Like, you just got this really cool mix and then yeah. the next big hit from whoever comes out, and you're like, well, that's out the window. I'm like, well, yeah, that? it's
0: this brand new mix. Like, it's already, you know, it was, it's old like in two hours, you know? It's like, so, you know, but then, but then I, 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 but then I say to myself, what's, well, you know, it's like, screw that man it's like there's gonna be there's gonna still gonna be a lot of uh, hopefully joy that you'll you'll bring to people by putting this out so so release it
1: you know? well that's the thing it's like we, we talked about the beginning like people come to see you like yeah. you know you created a product that people want to hear and they're gonna love it and they're gonna enjoy it no one's gonna care so much that it's not it's not the latest song that came out yesterday so we don't want to hear it and that's something that I've learned doing my own thing too is that yeah For the most part, people really don't care about that. They care about overall the product that that you uh, deliver. So what if you didn't talk about the latest thing that came out five seconds ago? No one's going to say, oh, he didn't talk about that, so screw it. It's like. They come into the, and they want to enjoy the music. Right. Honestly, like, you know, if I came to 20 years shows and you played me something from 10 years ago, I would <laughs> never know, know the difference. I'm like, the beat's awesome. I'm getting yeah. into it. Yeah. It's creating the, the great vibe. I'm having a great time. You know, like nobody really cares specifically. It's not that on there. Yeah. So hopefully that, you know, it's some sort of. Um, you know a refreshment to you appreciate it that really yeah. it's
0: i think it's easy to and, and i'm sure a lot of you know people in artistic professions wrestle with it you know you kind of get paralyzed by you know the thought of trying to put out the perfect you know I, I just talking with somebody you know about maybe it was a friend about releasing a track or somebody releasing something and um yeah it was it was a friend of mine who's a, a young so a young aspiring music producer i think he's he, he's only been out of college about two years now And he was just saying to me, he goes, man, you know, I released this stuff and I just really wasn't sure about it. And I told him, I said... You know, just, just release it. Any any kind of little tiny imperfection you might hear in your ear, you know, 99% of people aren't, aren't even going to pick up on it. You know, it's it's you're trying to get your art out into the world. You're trying to get your art in front of people so they can start responding to it and, and interacting with you. And I to mean, me, that's way better than worrying about some little tiny imperfection in something.
1: I mean, it's exactly right that honestly, it's like people who get so concerned about putting the perfect reel on Instagram or yeah. putting the perfect YouTube video out there, that I got news for you. Nobody really cares about about the perfection part what matters is the content the message that you deliver the music yep. that you're actually bringing how you make people feel with well, that that's actually what what matters not did i use the right lighting on this camera here i mean even that this whole setup here yeah it's not perfect you got three bulbs that are out of four <laughs> bulbs that are not, not working here i
0: see i never even noticed it honestly. yeah like, like
1: nobody yeah. really cares about yeah. that when you really think yeah it makes everything look nicer like if i turn that fire pit on behind you out there, <laughs> which i totally forgot to do like if i turn that on it would look great in this camera behind me yeah But what Matt what people actually care about is the content and I've seen that too when I've watched some of my fellow podcasters Or other videos Mm -hmm. I get so enthralled in the content. I subscribe to them and I watch them for their content I don't pay attention that they're in their mother's bedroom or they're they're in the they're in a garage where it's echoing or there's sirens in the background, which happens here because of where we're at. <laughs> right. Right. Or it's like the content is actually matters to me. So if somebody does have an imperfection in a video or a mu- or a music track they're actually making, no one says stop. That was wrong. I'm out of here. Yep. They just keep going because they're into it already. Yep. So hopefully it's some solace to like the, the person that you were talking to there that really yep. honestly, once they're into it, nobody cares about those minor imperfections. That's it's all in your your head. Yeah. Really, it's the overall message that you're trying to deliver. All this other stuff, the equipment, the lighting, whatever—that's all nice, but it doesn't make, it doesn't overshadow the episode. I've seen some great video podcasts out there. Production quality was spectacular, mm-hmm. cinematography—like it looked like a freaking movie, uh, actual movie—with everything done correctly. Yeah. But the message was empty. Yep. So as great as it was to watch it, like yeah, visually it's great. It's not. It doesn't really speak to me, or I don't get into it with the host or who they're talking to because. There's no message there. So if there's anything that I've learned, even in doing this, it's more about the content you deliver. Like the, the sure. followers, they'll come in time. Yep. Which is why I like doing this. Like I'm not doing this to make money. If yep. I was, then I would have stopped a long time ago, <laughs> or I would be talking about the hot button topics, COVID or Trump or right. the dating scene or whatever it is, because I know that's what people want to click on. Right. I don't do that because I'm thinking the long game, you know, five years from now, someone might see this episode now that I've created or 10 years from now, what does it actually look like? So that's the way I'm thinking. So I want to be able to make sure that I live up to that and not worry so much about the little details. Yeah.
0: Agreed. Yeah. I mean, there's been like, you know, like a press press photo or two. I've wondered about, ah, that little hair is off or whatever. Do I, you know, um, and it's, you kind of get, you can, you can get so bogged down in in the kind of trivial stuff like that, that it's just, it's, 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 not it doesn't serve any purpose you know
1: it kind of does speak to the world where we're in where where did we get to that point where that yeah. actually mattered and you go yeah. back to our parents generation nobody cared about that and no right. one still does now but where did it come from that it has to be perfect because if it's not perfect then i'm not going to get the the likes or the gigs or whatever right. it's like right. it really doesn't matter at the end of the day right right yep we've been going on almost two hours Scott this has been an awesome conversation wow. man see how time flies no when way. you start getting into it like that yeah man it's an awesome thing. so before i forget before we sure. wrap it up here if people want to get a hold of you what's the best way to get a hold of you sure
0: uh well just the websites dj-cams cams.com or at dj cams instagram twitter facebook all that good stuff is that
1: your personal connection or is that if you want to if there's someone's interested in using your your services and then what kind of services do you particularly specifically, specifically offer you know weddings you big gigs Is it go through my agent and we'll talk how does that work
0: sure no i mean yeah people i'm i'm you know, I, I'm not never too big enough to, to in my, you know, to think that I, you know, am not open to getting any messages from anybody. So, um, you know, uh, open to, you know, all kinds of different events, you know, uh, whatever it is. So yeah, always, and always happy to really to just, you know, if people have questions or, you know, aspiring people or, you know, I'm always happy to try to offer any, anything I've learned to try to help other people as well.
1: That's awesome. What would be your final piece of advice to give to anybody? Not just in what we had talked about here or somebody who wants to be a DJ, but just in general life about what it takes to actually get your foot in the door, what it Mm -hmm. takes to actually survive out here or any sort of life tip that you just want to tell people about what you've learned.
0: Uh, I mean, work hard for sure. Work hard. Um, don't try to get that instant success. Don't ask for that huge salary right away. Uh, don't expect, you know, you're going to get that huge gig right away. Put in the time, to hone your skill and make sure you're you're you know you, you know what you're doing you, you've you practice long enough to to put out a good product, uh, but through it all, even when you, you do get to a point where you start having success, just stay humble. You know, be be always thankful for any cool opportunities you get and stay humble. That's awesome. Uh, you know, if you're if you're braggadocious or whatever, I I, I don't have any time for, for that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, to give people a timeline, especially
1: aspiring DJs, like yeah. if you would say, how long did it take you from the time you did your first gig at at Lake Tahoe, whatever it was to the time where you actually did did a gig where that was actually a very
0: lucrative gig how what was that time span like the first the first uh, mix I ever put out I recorded in my parents garage on some, some small turntables you know I was living at home for a little while and I think it was only a couple months later that I got one of my first regular events so that was at uh, age what that was at age 25 uh, 24 25 yeah um, but I you know I had spent I spent hours in the garage practicing, you know, and I think I literally, you know, I, I, I wasn't aware of editing or, you know, doing mix. It was all done live. And so if for like a 40, 40 minute long mix, if I messed up at at minute 37, <laughs> then I had to go do the entire thing over again. You know, I didn't know about splicing or whatever. Um, so, I mean, I spent hours, I mean, you know, like just a week straight trying to get the one, like 40 minute mixtape out. You so know.
1: from the mid twenties, when you first started this, at yeah. what point did you say, okay, now I'm at a level where this is actually getting some traction, I'm getting noticed, I'm making some money. How, like, what was that time spent? like five years, 10 years?
0: A couple of years. Yeah. It was a couple of years. Um, you know, until I got to the point where I was, you know, you know, doing this, not only doing it full time, but at a point where I was, you know, able to pay all the bills and able to have my own place and, and, um, you know, uh, my, my then girlfriend, now wife, we, you know, we were around the time we were, we were getting married. Um, but it took a couple of years, you know, so point being it's, it's not going to happen overnight, you know? Um, and I was really, not only was I, you know, working on my skills, you know, as a DJ, but I was also really trying to to meet the right people, trying to survey the scene, look around and say, kind of figure out who are the key players I need to talk to, you know, people I respect kind of those circles I want to be in. You know, how can I get introduced to them? How can I meet them? And for, kind of forming those, those relationships.
1: That's a smart way way to do it. You're putting in all those hours, mm-hmm. probably 40, I'm guessing over 40 hours a week yeah. when you first started at yep. 25. Yep. For several years before you even got any traction. And in the meantime, on top of doing all that work where you're not getting paid, you're still making connections. You're still talking to people. You're taking any gig you can get, even if it was free. Yep. At the very least, just to get the experience. Or maybe there's that one person at the party that hears you and says, I like that guy. Let me get his card. I got a big gig for him. It's like, you never know. And it's just putting in that work and it's not going to come right away. You know, you may think you're the most talented person in the world, but that doesn't alone get you noticed. You have to put in that time and effort so people can see you so they can say, wow, look at your talent and you're getting better as you're actually doing it. Maybe it means you stay at home a couple more years. And as long as your parents are on board with, they see you working. Yep then it could be a really great thing in the end where Mm -hmm. now you're actually able to have a sustainable income, Mm -hmm. sustainable gigs where now I can actually support myself. Now I can support a family. But it takes all that work. And if there's anything that I hope that people get, especially young people, if they happen to be listening an hour and 54 (laughs) minutes into this, (laughs) which if they're listening beyond five seconds, is surprising to me if you're (laughs) under 18 and you can do Thank you for listening. Exactly. But for them, it's like, yeah, it's going to take time. Nothing happens fast. It never does. No matter what TikTok tells you, it's not going to happen right away unless you're the unicorn, and that's one in a couple of million. Right. So great advice, Scott Campbell. Thank you so much for coming on. Mike, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate it, and I'm hoping you enjoy the the tequila. Thank you, sir. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Cheers. Cheers, guys.
0: Thank you.